You're now tuned into the Apartment 5B podcast, where we chop it up about hip-hop, R&B, sports, love and life. Hosted by Kill. 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 What's good, what's good, what's good? You are tuning in Apartment 5B, hosted by your man, Kill. I got my squad with me, as always, Porsches in the building. What's going on? <laughs> How's it going, everyone? <laughs> everything is good. Everything is good. We got my man, Rel, out of Illadelph. What's going on, good brother? Everything good, man. About to learn something. All right. DJ, Re- DJ Rec One, what's going on, good brother? Hey, man. I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this topic, man. I'm, I appreciate y'all on this one, for real, for real. All right, no doubt. And we got, for the first time, shopping it up with me, my brother, my man. We talk, we've been talking for years. My man Snips, out of UK, NBK now. What's going on, good brother? What's going on, man? appreciate you guys having me involved, man. I'm looking forward to this. Nah, no doubt, no doubt. Y'all know me. Let's jump right into it. Today's topic is actually Porsche's topic. I was chopping it up with everybody and was like, yo, we 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 need a salute show. I don't think we had a show a topic for one week. Right. And Porsche was like, well, why don't we do a salute show to Jazzy Jeff? And I was like, I don't know if Jeff has enough in enough to discuss for an entire show, but I'm mad at myself because we've never done a salute show to the DJ, who to me is the backbone of hip hop. So Porsche, why don't you talk a little bit about why you wanted to salute Jazzy Jeff and how it morphed into the entire DJ show? Well, the hilarious thing is, is you got us doing top fives and Jeff doesn't appear on my top five for DJ. So the whole thing is a bust. But um, the reason I wanted to salute Jeff is because I just find Jazzy Jeff has had quite a long run in hip hop. Um, A lot of DJs have. I'm not saying that they haven't. But Jeff is still going strong. Like on IG, he puts on these IG lives. He's still doing these live shows. And um, I just really appreciate how much fun he has, um, his energy. And I just thought, you know, we we never really talk about DJ Jazzy Jeff ever, um, unless it comes up in, you know, some other topic that we're doing. And yeah, that's that's where it all came from. But I like the salute to the DJs in general. Doesn't have to be just Jeff. Um, So yeah. All right, no doubt. And here's the great part about it. I'm going to talk about Jeff all night long. So. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's talk about when was the first time you even learned about a DJ, what a DJ was, what a DJ did. For example, for me, I mean, I always say I was born in 74. I'm 47. So there was a time when I'm being born in 74. Hip hop is just getting bubbling in the Bronx. Like there may be niggas in Brooklyn that don't even know what's going on in in the Bronx. There may be people in North Bronx that don't know what's going on in South Bronx. So I was there when there was a time when there was no hip hop. So the first time I saw a DJ was, I want to say it was Run DMC on American Bandstand. And it blew my mind because people got to keep in mind, back in the day you had a band. So I'm used to seeing the drummers in the back, the bass players on the side, the keyboard players on the side, the singers on the front. And it's like, okay, there's no band. It's just this dude 
and the turntables were in the DJ coffins, which looked ill as hell to me in the first place. Um, and I was just blown away. And then when Jay started scratching, it was just like, was, was the brain explosion emoji? It was like, yo, I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but I want to do that. I want to be a DJ. I was 10 years old in 84. That's fourth grade. Most kids are playing with Transformers and G.I. Joes. I told my moms, nope, I want two turntables and a mixer for Christmas. You know what I mean? And the crazy part was, is again, back in the, now, now you say it, and it's just what it is, two turntables. In 1984, no matter where you went, it was, why do you need two turntables? Why you need two turntables? Because everybody in that crib, your family, again, this is 84, most people's families have one stereo system in the whole house. People didn't have bookcase, you know, systems in every room and Sono speakers and Beats by Dre headphones. There was one stereo for the entire house and there was one turntable on it. So everybody's like, why do you need two? And people not even understanding what it what two turntables in a mix would even do. So that was my first introduction to DJ. And then it kind of, then that just piggybacked right into Beach Street. And after I saw Beach Street, it was a rap. And it was like, I want to do this. Uh, one of the pictures in the studio I got, if we could zoom in on that, that's like me in 1984, back with wow. just the two turntables, you know, and a mixer in my lap. I didn't even have enough room on my desk to put the mixer. So that's what it is for me. Snips, what about you, good brother? When is the first time, um, and, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't give you a good enough intro. <laughs> talk about what you do, who you are, you're a label owner, I mean, mixtape, DJ connoisseur, talk about your web. So just give them a little brief history. I apologize. I no, no, of course, man. Um, so please, all right, so yeah, I mean, about your background and, and what you do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a DJ from the UK. I've been in Brooklyn for about three years now. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I run, a, I run a hip hop event in London, which we've been doing now for nearly 15 years. Um, we brought that to New York as well. So I run that in Brooklyn as well. Um, but yeah, producer, DJ, um, I've got mixtape history, radio history in the UK. Um, and now I run my own label, which I put my own music out on. Um, produced for a bunch of UK artists, uh, a couple of the US underground artists as well. So yeah, man, long history, multiple different things all together. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right, so what? where did you first see DJ and then tap into what gave you the bug to want to become a DJ? So, so for me, it was it was two different things, right? Um, I I consumed DJing from 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 the concept of being in, interested in hip hop when I was a kid, but also where I grew up in the UK. I grew up in a um, in a place called St Paul's in a city called Bristol, which was had a, had a big Caribbean carnival that happened every year, similar to Notting Hill in London or Eastern Parkway out here in Brooklyn. So I remember seeing um, floats in the neighborhood when I was a kid that was like reggae sound systems. So for me, there was that concept of a DJ as a kid, but I wasn't as interested in pursuing music at that. So when I saw, and I, and I think for me, I think similar to you, it was Run DMC, seeing Jazzy Jeff as uh, um, like as essentially the band, right? For, right, for, Jam for, Master J. Uh, sorry, Jam Master yeah. J, my mistake. Um, just talking about Jazzy Jeff, I had it in my head. But yeah, seeing Jay with Run DMC as like the band was a different, um, a different way of seeing what I was used to seeing a DJ, which was like a sound system concept, right? So I think it wasn't until I would say early '90s when I would I was playing hip hop records in the house, and my dad would tell me, you know, this is a sample of a record that he knew or whatever. And when he would start to play that to me, I'd be like, 
but this doesn't sound like the record you're playing me. It sounds different. And then I learned what production was. And then I started to see the scratch with EPMD or Primo against the Gangstar and P-Rock with CL. And I started to realize, so these guys as DJs are taking, like the, the, the records that they were cutting up was essentially the, the records they were making these songs that I was listening to. And I was immediate, that was the point where I was like, yeah, I need to do this. So if I need to become a DJ to understand this whole production thing, this is what I need to do. But that was definitely the period. It was production that was like, nah, I need to become a DJ to, to understand this whole craft, you know? That's dope, that's dope. And for people out there who may not know what I was saying, the coffins, if I can zoom in on this picture, that's Mixmaster Ice. That's what the, you know, the, the coffins, like, that the boxes that the Technique 1200s will come in and everything like yeah. that. So like, and I used to love this picture because number one, it's 85 when it's dropped. This dude is dressed up as a ninja. I wanted to be Snake Eyes. <laughs> Andy was a DJ. So this shit was like Snake Eyes as the DJ. So that's Mix Master Ice. Definitely shout out to Mix. Uh, DJ Rec One, what about you, bro? I mean, Queens, Jersey, everything. What made you want to, when's the first time you, you saw DJ and what gave you the DJ bug to become a DJ? Um, so my early years, man, I grew up, I grew up in, in Germany. So for me, I didn't, I didn't grow up in the eighties, like seeing hip hop. I always got it secondary. So the first time I can remember actually seeing somebody DJing was a VHS tape. And it was, uh, I found out later it was DXT scratching on, uh, Herbie Hancock. The of, yeah. The Herbie Hancock. Okay. That's the first time I seen that. And I was just like. Hmm. I'm like five or six. So like Snipe said, you know, we're young. We we don't necessarily know, but we're intrigued. Like, what's he doing? You know? Mm. That's the first time I actually saw somebody actually scratching a record. You know what I mean? Like to where I was like, okay. And then you figure roughly ten years later is probably when I actually jumped into it. Um, you know, I, I missed all that early eighties hip hop just because I wasn't living in America at the time. Um, and I had to go back and reconsume it. And through me reconsuming hip hop, that's when I kind of started to figure out that that was something I wanted to be involved in. Like Snipe said, you know, you grow up a child of hip hop. I knew off the gate I was not going to be a rapper. <laughs> I knew that was not going to happen. Um, but it, I knew I wanted to be involved some way, shape, or form. I couldn't draw or I can't draw. So graffiti was out of the question. And it was like, you know what? I listen to music probably different than the way my friends do, just based on conversations we have. You know, my uncles have this huge record collection. Let me see if this is something that, you know, maybe I, I can jump into that way. So that's kind of how it started for me, just being a fan of the music and then realizing that, you know, I, I heard music differently than everybody I was around, you know, mm -hmm. and understanding that I could take that and put that, you know, into what it is I wanted to do, which was DJ. You know, it's just it just kind of happened that way. Um, I'll right. save some more for later, but but that's kind of how it started. All right, Porsche. What about you? The first time you saw heard DJ? Mm -hmm. I I mean saw or heard. Um, again, I, I mean I talk about it on the show all the time. I grew up in the prairies of Canada. There was no hip hop whatsoever, whatsoever, um, and we didn't have access to like rap city or any type of you know, hip hop on TV. Um, so I don't even remember when the first time I, I would, I would have heard it on Raps, on Rap City on Much Music, but that would have been years later after I had already been listening to Run DMC and 
um, you know, all the other hip hop that I did have access and WA, like stuff that I was able to come by. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't really pinpoint when it was. I wish I could, but I can't. It, it would have been, it would have been on Rhapsody. All right, no doubt, no doubt. Bro, what about you? When's the first time you from Philly? You know how I feel yeah. about Philly DJ. So when's right. the first time you heard, saw, whatever about a DJ? Um, well, the early 80s hip hop, I was too young to really, like, really understand what was going on. Um, but I think the first time where I, you know, saw a DJ and I was kind of like just intrigued by it was um, B Street. Like, the early scene in B Street when they, what was he? It's working. Is that what he was saying? Yeah. 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 Party yeah. Ready to rock. Let me hear you right. scream. That, that, and just that, um, making something out of nothing, um, that they were doing <clears throat> early in that, in that movie. Like, that's what intrigued me about it initially. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, as I got older, you know, I started to, uh, to understand what was going on and I could kind of go back and look at stuff. But I remember that <clears throat> vividly when I was a kid seeing that and like being like, really impressed by that and enamored I, I had like a <laughs> I had like a record player that I had and I used to you know mess up records trying to you know <laughs> scratch and imitate you know what I'm saying my mom would get uh -huh. mad at me you know what I'm saying but you know I was just intrigued by that you know what I'm saying that that scene right there that whole little scene like kind of like opened my eyes to it and then as time went on, I kind of, you know, got more of an understanding of what was going on. All right, no doubt. It's funny, I was talking to my young boy, and he was like, I was telling him how hype I was for the show, and he was like, you know, he's young, he's like maybe 25, 26, so that generation doesn't understand anything about the DJ. You know what I mean? And he's like, you know, why do you, you keep saying they're the backbone of hip hop? And I'm like, bro, you gotta remember, well, not that you gotta remember because you weren't alive, but you gotta understand that the DJ was what people came to see, who people came to see for the park jams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because like, you know, Snips, you were talking about the the sound systems, you know, yeah. and that's what Cool Herc was known for. You were coming to hear people play the break. So you were coming to see the DJ. You weren't coming to see an MC. You know, the MC yeah. just came to just keep going. Uh, similar like what you were saying that Kenny was doing at Beach Street. Normally, it would have been an MC to do that because in Beach Street, Kenny basically represented the DJ and the MC. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Whereas that's what the MC would do. So that's why you had DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You had Eric B and Rakim. The, the MC's name was coming second because at that point, the DJ was more of who you would come to see before the MC. Were you going to say? I, 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 I would go as far to say that if you were a DJ, regardless of what music you play you are practicing hip-hop as an mm -hmm. art right mm -hmm. um hip-hop and sound system culture and like like I, I i can never i can never disconnect djing from the concept of reggae and sound system culture and dancehall culture but essentially regardless of what music you're playing you are practicing hip-hop right even right. if you look at like what Larry Levan and Frankie Knuckles and the house djs were doing yeah. they were extending parts of the records they were like yeah. you know like it it so when I hear people talk about, oh, you know, a hip hop DJ, not nah, a DJ is hip hop. You know, there is no such thing as a hip hop DJ. There is just a DJ. And that uh, being a DJ means you are practicing hip hop, even if you don't play a single hip hop record. Mm. You know, and I, I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand 
this yeah. this idea like the like you were saying the younger kids 25 year old kid is just gonna see a dj as the guy who plays the party right the guy that's who goes right. and plays the club and you know whatever music he plays that's what he's a you know a house dj or edm mm-hmm. dj or hip-hop dj but nah you, yep. he, <laughs> i don't know um nah, that's that's nail on the head brother that's nail on the yeah head i mean that's you, a great point i never looked at it like that but yeah. you're 100 Right, yeah, because you look at a lot of DJs who are supposedly a, a genre DJ. Yeah, you ask them, you talk to them nine times out of ten, they started DJing hip hop. Yeah, that, that's what started. That's that's the reason they grabbed a, a set of turntables or whatever. But then you could even say that the original DJs were hip hop DJs and didn't even play any hip hop. Nope, because there was no hip hop. There was no hip hop, <laughs> right. you know. Right. So they're like, right. but they were they were hip hop. That's what they they were practicing the art form of hip hop, even though they, there was no hip hop records to play. You know, yep. right, right. Um, and the funny thing is, one of the reasons why I love is just the educator in me, why I love young folk asking me questions, because it helps me map out how I want these shows to go, because I want yeah. them to be an educational tool. So, yeah. of course, the young boy asked me, well, who's your top five DJs? You know what I mean? So now we're going to chop it up about who are your top five DJs. And the reason why I say why is because Snips kind of touched on it. You have different kind of DJs. I have... I, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll start. My number five is Ron G. Ron G is an uptown Harlem legend who was, to me, a blend tape DJ. So what a blend tape was is I'm at Morgan in 92. And well, let's we go back to 91. The first time I heard Mary J's Real Love and I hear somebody singing over the drums from Top Billing, my head exploded. Like, how? Yeah. When, when, do we, when do they do this? When do people sing? over this chick is singing over top billing like this like my mind was just blown and that to me that's one of the reasons why was the 411 was so incredible because outside of harlem and new york i don't know if anybody had ever heard that now fast forward a year when i'm a freshman at morgan my man pulls up on campus and he's blasting this tape and i'm hearing stephanie mills something in the way you make me feel acapella over impeach the president my brain really explodes now because I'm like, yo, how the fuck is Stephanie Mills singing over my favorite breakbeat and Peach the yeah. President? And I, I like run in my man's car like, yo, what the fuck are you playing? Like, what's a Ron G tape? And from that day forward, my goal was to grab every Ron G tape that I could find because that's what that's what he was doing. He was blending those R&B songs with hip hop beats. And again, Puff took it national, but that was something that he got from Ron G that the whole Mary was the fourth one. <coughs> To me, that salutes all go to Ron G. Puff had a great idea to do that. Puff's whole blueprint is Ron G. Right, exactly. Mm Exactly. It it has to go back. The love has to go to Ron G. Number four, I've got DJ Scratch from EPMD. I mean, Scratch is just Scratch. Scratch is so dope. When I'm making beats and I don't have a DJ and I can't get in touch with Rec for Scratch, I will sample DJ Scratch's Scratches. So I have sampled, you'll hear, you'll hear in my beats, I'll sample him doing the ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen from EPMDs, give the people what they want, read So I've sampled that, time shifted to fit the beat. I've sampled him scratching and gold digger right before the end where he just goes, like this is how dope Scratch is. I sample his scratches. Um, and I mean, Scratch is just, he's, he's a monster. Um, number yeah. three, DJ Cash Money out of Philadelphia. A lot of people don't know about Cash. They only have one album out, Cash Money and Marvelous. Where's the party at? Uh, I, I don't know what you can. I mean, all I can tell people to do is just YouTube Cash Money. Like I that, follow that's him on Facebook. What you say? <laughs> I follow him on Facebook for his lives. 
yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where there's some dope scratches on this album, but it's still not enough for you to understand why Cash yeah. comes in at number three. Uh, number uh, two. Are we, are we going to jump into that? Those, the, that situation? Well, I'll wait till we get to that. I know. No, we, no, I, no, I got no, it. No, no, we'll get to it. All right. Um, don't forget. Write it down because I don't want to forget that point. Um, my number two is DJ Premier. To me, Premier is the dopest DJ at scratching choruses. I don't think he's the dopest DJ ever, but when it comes to scratching choruses, I don't think anybody does it quite like DJ Premier. I was talking to JR about this, how sometimes being the dopest singer doesn't mean you got you have the dopest choruses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Ashanti is not the dopest singer, but I ain't gonna hold you. Ashanti can hold down a fucking chorus. Like she can mm-hmm. do that. I don't know if Patti LaBelle can do a chorus as good as Ashanti. Now that's gonna sound crazy to some folk, but Patty may just no, I hear what you're much. saying. Yeah, you yeah, know, Ashanti yeah. just gets and she's able to just do it. So when it comes to scratching courses, I just think nobody does it like Premier. For somebody out there who watching doesn't know, I wrote down three. Listen to the scratches on Just to Get a Rep, him scratching, Greg Nice's Stick Up Kids is out the tags. Another one of my favorite ones is Who's Gonna Take the Weight? Him scratching Ooh. that. Uh Mass Appeal. And then the enemy with Big L and Fat Joe when he's scratching OCs. Um, yeah. it, it's 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 incredible. Like when he it, it got so bad they had a YouTube DJ premiere scratch <laughs> where DJs were trying to emulate the scratches that. No, I, I did one. You did I, one? I did, yeah, I did one on my Instagram. I, I did just to get a rep actually. Oh, okay, dope. Well, I gotta check that out. What's your Instagram while you shouting it out too? Uh, Snips Music. Snips Music. So go to that, check that out. But my number one DJ. Who I think is the greatest DJ ever of all fucking time, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Like this dude, when this came out, when I heard the magnificence, some DJs are good, some DJs are deaf, some DJs are even fresh. But let me tell you a little something about my DJ, the magnificent Jazzy Jeff. And we'll start talking about transform. Yo, brain explosion emoji all over it. Because at that time, the Transformers was the dopest cartoon out. They made that noise when they would transform. And when Jeff was scratching that, and Will would be like, transform? Yo, my brain just exploded. It was the dopest thing ever. It's crazy. I'm actually reading this book right here, Will Smith's book. Very, very dope book. Um, I'm just getting to the part of Fresh Prince. He does, talks a lot about the hip-hop side of it. That's why I brought this book for the hip-hop side. I don't care nothing about him and Jada's red table talk stuff. I just want to know about hip-hop. Free Will Smith. Free Will right. Smith. But um, he was saying, I didn't notice about Jeff, that Jeff had cancer as a kid. And oh, wow. that he was like just always in the house. You know, and that his moms wouldn't let him go too far because he was sick. So it was like, yo, Jeff. And it was just like this aha moment of, that's why Jeff is so great. Because all he did was DJ. That was it. Mm-hmm. He was like, he doesn't go to the corner store. He doesn't go He doesn't go hang out. He doesn't play sports. He doesn't do anything but DJ. I mean, again, you could go to Jeff, anything on YouTube. I mean, this album is a great joint. It's a joint on here called Touch of Jazz when he's just getting busy. I mean, hell, the whole second side of um, is down here. The whole second side of He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper is basically a whole Jeff album of Jeff getting busy on the scratches. And you can YouTube, I mean, like I was saying the other day about Jeff and Will, I mean, they had one of the live stage shows back in the 80s. You know what I mean? And when people talk about Will Smith not being a dope MC, he's not the greatest MC on wax. He's very much a stage MC. You know what I'm saying? So if you ever saw Will and Jeff back in the 80s, they would tear it down. Will would come out, 
rap a little bit. He let Jeff get busy. Ready Roxy was their beatbox. They would do routines. Uh, listen to Live at Union Square off this joint. You can see how dope they were. But those are my top five DJs and why. Snips, who do you have as your top five DJs and why? Man, I mean, to be honest, to narrow it down to five is hard. I probably have like a top five like producer DJs, top right. five DJs outside of hip hop. I'm going to put like David Rodigan and Danny Krivitz and a bunch of us. So I'm going to keep it like hip hop, five hip hop DJs that really inspired me. I'm going to say number one um, is my guy in London, Shorty Blitz. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Now I'm writing these things down. So you should yeah, I, 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 I would, honest, I would honestly tell you, um, Shorty Blitz is probably the probably the best club DJ I've ever seen play in the world. And I'm and, I, and I've seen I've seen Kid Capri, I've seen Clark Kent, I've seen like Flex, I've seen it. Like Shorty Blitz is one of the greatest to ever do it. He also is a great friend of mine. He kind of mentored me, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be at the point I would. I am if it wasn't for sure. So, but like inc- incredible DJ, incredible for a second because you're about yeah. to me. Okay, when you say club DJ. Yeah. What what would you? <laughs> what are like? What are the things that make that so dope? Because I love how you said the greatest club DJ. So what is it? So of DJ, what what is it that he does that makes him so great? And so it, DJ? it's finding that balance and being able to not just play the same records that every other DJ plays, right? Being able, because this is somebody who plays clubs, but he's a hip hop head, right? Okay. So he's 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 somebody that I've seen him play, there, there used to be this club in London called Ministry of Sound. And it was like, it was like, it wasn't like a hardcore hip hop party, it was a hip hop and R&B party, right? Hip hop, R&B, dancehall, classics, whatever. He's the only DJ that I've seen in there that will come on after a DJ's playing a whole set of like, you know, Usher, I'm talking like early noughties, right? So big club records, Usher, Donnell Jones, whatever. And he's cutting up two copies of Smith and Wesson Bucktown. But <laughs> the whole place is losing their shit. Like it's not like he's losing and he'll and then he'll balance back and he'll go into playing some like more friendly R and B stuff, some dancehall stuff, and then he'll go back into playing an O C record or whatever. And I've never seen anybody else be able to do that in London. A so cleanly in, in the way that like he's we're talking we're talking early noughties where a lot of DJs they're not they're not bringing two copies and going back and forth he's still doing that and he's doing it to the point where he's not trying to be too much of a turntablist where he's losing the crowd it's subtle but it's still like it's still good. like it's that balance of like if you're just a, a, a you know a bunch of regular girls who've gone out for a night out you're not going to be alienated by what he's doing whereas if you're a head like us you're going to be in there being like yo he's fucking killing it like that balance I've never seen anyone do it like that so I would say he's my number one. Secondly, I'm going to keep it in the UK and say DJ Mr. Thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He, he was part of the um, Scratch Perverts, which were okay. like, I would say they were the UK equivalent of the Executioners. Um, okay. You said Thing, Scratch Perverts? Yeah. But okay. Mr. Thing, look at his routines online, um, playing 45s. Like, I, I would say him and Coco are like, if anything, I might, I might put Thing as a top. His knowledge of records, I mean, this is somebody who's put everybody from Finesse to Pete Rock to, to Buckwild to like, he's put them onto records. Like, this guy is an encyclopedia of, 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 of information when it comes to breaks and records. So I put him at number two. Um, number three, I'm going to say Stretch Armstrong. Um, okay. I don't think, I don't think, again, man, like, I think what I love about Stretch is that he was obviously he was a DJ like his radio show he was a DJ for the heads right but he was still able to play clubs and do it in a way where 
you still always felt like he wasn't just playing bullshit to appease a club audience, right? Yeah. Like even to this day, I've seen Stretch play, and he he walks that balance of of still being able to play to the heads, but not alienating everybody else. If that makes sense, like I don't think a lot of DJs are able to 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 to, to balance that. Also, obviously, you know, legendary radio show. Um, I grew up listening to Stretch and Bobito tapes. Um, right. We would literally, you know. In, in, in the UK, you would have somebody who had a cousin in Flatbush or Crown Heights who would, who would record a tape and send it over and that shit would get dubbed and, and everybody would have a copy or, or it would be sold in the local record stores. They'd copy them up and you'd be buying bootleg Stretch and Bob tapes in the stores. So, you know, that was that was very important to me consuming that. Um, and that helped shape my taste as well, man. That whole mid to late 90s indie rap scene that I was into, that solely came from consuming Stretch and Bob stuff. Uh, so Stretch number three, number four, um, I'm gonna give it to Kid Capri. I don't think there is any party rocker that comes close to the energy that Kid has. I've seen him a couple of times and he's just just ridiculous, man. Um, so Kid would be number four. Number five, damn, do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I know we got two Philly guys in here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Philly. I'm gonna say Rich Medina. And Rich. The, the, reason I'm a big, the reason I'm a big fan of Rich is because He's a stubborn motherfucker. <laughs> he, like, I, I don't think anybody sticks to their guns and, like, like Rich and Bobito are similar in that sense. They are not playing music that they don't fuck with. And they will still rock a party. They will still always, and, and like, you, 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 they're two of the only DJs that I will go and see and I've got my Shazam out because I don't know what the fuck's being played, but it's dope mm. and I want to know what it is. And I feel like that's something that's totally lost in DJing. Everybody's scared to break records in front of a crowd. Nobody Thanks. does that. But Thanks. Rich will, Rich will find some random seven inch. It could be brand new. It could be 50 years old and he's going to play it and he's going to play it in a way that you're going to be like, shit, what is this? And, and, and he's going to keep the floor. So yeah, I, I give it to Rich at number five. That's dope. Porsche, who you got for your top five? I'm intrigued. Because you don't have Jeff. I'm intrigued now. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, Jeff is on my list somewhere. But if I had to narrow it down to five, I mean, okay, I'm going to start. Um, number five, I have DJ Clark Kent. Um, okay. And really, DJ Clark Kent because of, um, again, I don't have the exposure to, like, you know, I have never seen them live. I've never seen them in person. Um, that kind of thing but just off of the tracks that he's done um and just the history that he has in um djing and battles and things like that like i just think dj clark kent is merits being mentioned um in a top five i think just is yeah like the imprint that he leaves in the dj world and that's that's again my criteria which i didn't define because it's all good but <laughs> um dj clark kent is my number five then I have um, DJ Scratch. Um, DJ Scratch because, I mean, you, you guys talked about it. Um, he, I, Scratch Vision, like DJ Scratch is just nonstop. Um, and he's so consistent and so dope. Um, and this Scratch Vision stuff that he does, like, and he still does it still to this day on IG Live. Like if you, if you watch it, um, he takes tracks and, and stuff that has no earthly business being played and he just makes it sound amazing um and he does very much to his name scratches so perfectly um inside of these albums or sorry inside of these records that 
it's just unbelievable. Like, you're just intrigued. Like, I can't stop watching him. And then, of course, we saw him on the Versus battle, um, and he was, come on. Like, I mean, if you saw that, Scratch was phenomenal um, on that on that Versus battle. Then I've got um, Large Professor. Um, Large Pro is somebody who, same thing, like, again, um, is always doing miraculous things with with tracks with his own um sort of way of doing it and he's got a very particular soundscape that he uses um that's very much like oh as i'm like he again um i know everyone thinks d D nice was the first one to do these um you know ig club club quarantine or whatever but DJs were doing this long before D-Nice got on board. Um, and Large Pro was one of those. And when, as you're scrolling, like, you can hear, I hear little snippets of it. And I'm like, no, that's that's Large Professor. And I go back, I'm like, that's def- definitely Large Professor. Um, and then I've got DJ Premier and um, Pete Rock, number one. And, I mean, I, it goes without saying, DJ Premier, like you said, kill for the scratches. Um, and I always tell people, and I love that you said... Um, you know, Premier scratches these choruses and makes them that much doper. And the reason I say that is because if you've ever heard the Craig David Seven Days remix, that song is phenomenal because DJ Premier scratches through that chorus and it is, it just transforms it so much. Um, And it's just so brilliant. His ear for that is great. And I've had people I mean, I've got cousins who are, you know, trying to dabble in the um, DJing thing and, and all of this. And everyone asks me, they'll DM me and they'll be like, yo, how does DJ, um, DJ Premier scratch like that? And I literally put like 50,000 laughing faces and I'm like, it's a good goal to have. You're not going to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't really tell you how he does it. I have no idea. Um, but I just love that, you know, people who are like, 20, 21, look to DJ Premier for that scratch. And Pete Rock, I mean, Pete Rock is Pete Rock. Um, if you've ever heard him talk about DJing and just on what he does and break down, if you ever listen to Pete Rock break down what he does and how he does it and how he listens to stuff so that he can, you know, change it, it's just mesmerizing. I mean, it's, it's Pete Rock, I'm gonna always say. <laughs> Right, no doubt. And for anybody out there who's sleeping on Pete, check out the scratches on the Just Some Men remix for Das Effects because he kills yeah. the scratches on that. Uh, Rec, who do you got for your type five, good brother? Oh boy, Here you go with them questions again. So my top <laughs> five changes, man. I don't know about you, Snipes, but like, do you find yourself like when you're practicing different things, your top five or who you trying to like, what you're listening to, kind of changes a little bit every, every couple of years? Mine yeah, does. I mean, I think for. For me, like I said, I, I have my top five like DJs and then my top five producer DJs. So yeah, what you're same. saying with like with yeah, my producer yeah. DJs, that that's yeah. always yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So so my top five uh, currently, uh, Jeff. I mean, if you're not if you're not tuned into what he's doing um, and and how he's doing that, then you you're at the right place. It's a good start in this show. Uh, number two is Scratch. Scratch is the reason, um, probably why I started DJing. Um, sitting in the crib, I was living in Queens in 88, 89, and I heard, uh, so what you saying? And um, I was mesmerized by how he finished that up. 
Like I, I had I, that was the that was probably the first time I realized outside of the DXT situation that okay, someone else is doing it. It's not Eric. It's not Parrish. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, Who is that? And how is they doing that? And then two for that soon what you're saying, because you know the first album they DJ Kayla Boss was their deep. Correct. Correct. You know what I'm saying? And the scratches. When you hear you got some chill and you hear them scratches, then you hear yes. what you're saying and you hear those scratches. If you got a good ear, you knew it's not the same DJ. Or that yeah. DJ just didn't leave the house for two years and just practiced every day. <laughs> Correct. Um that is probably the one sole moment I, I realized, okay. I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna find out what that is, and I'm gonna do that. I remember sitting at my grandfather's coffee table, sitting there doing this, not even knowing what I'm doing, but just, you know, I knew that's what he had to be doing something like that. Then, you know, from there, it just it just took off on his own. Um, number three, local guy. Uh, I grew up in the South Jersey, Philly area. Uh, Kill, Rel, y'all familiar with Jay Ski? Yeah, Jay Ski. Oh yeah, Jay is my mentor. He is the person that made it tangible and said, "Okay, this is, you have these turntables. This is what you're gonna do." He grew up in the same city I, I'm from, um, and that was the, that was when I was like, "Okay, now I, this is I can make this happen. This is tangible. Someone is actually showing me what I'm hearing." Because uh, it's not like with production where you can go get a kick, a snare, and you can figure it out. Like if you don't know what's being done and someone hasn't sat down or showed you or you just kind of get yeah. something it's going to take you forever so like Snipe said you need a mentor this is something that you just you, you walk into this and you don't have somebody that says hey man this is a chirp this is a, a, a transformer this is a baby if you don't know those terms and you don't know what you're doing you're lost so, I don't think so, sorry to interject no, you I, could, I, I don't want to derail this but I don't think people really understand that man like I don't think people really understand that like you have to be shown this stuff. You have to be taught this stuff. Even with, even when it comes to like being a DJ and, and as far as like your records, right? You have to, you have to like even when I started and it's like, all right, cool. So I'm buying all the new hip hop stuff, but I need the classics. There's no right. discogs to go and buy the classics. There's nowhere I can. Da- I have to go and find those classics. Yep. I have to go and source them out. Like I don't think people understand the, 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 um, the work. And the, and the studying and like this yep. is a genuine discipline. This is not like mm. you know the dedication. I, I'm so, sorry, you know? I'll let you get back to nah, that. Brother, you, 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 you good. Like, you know, you snaps, good. That's a dope point because and we'll get into it later now with the whole yeah. celebrity DJ and Serato, but mm, there was a so certain bad. amount of work and effort you had to put in. Yeah. To yeah. become great at this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we're we gonna get to that later. We're gonna get yeah. to that later. Right there for a minute, Rel. What about you? Who are your top five DJs and why? All right. So with this, you know, I just wanted to go off of what I know. I'm not gonna speak on a subject like this and speak on things that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Or have an experience. Um, so my top five. Um, number five is Ron G. Um, I was kind of the same as you <laughs> when I heard those like those R&B that R&B hip hop mashup like I was like yo this is I don't know man it was crazy to me like I kind of like when you was mentioning that like I kind of felt the same way like I was just like my mind was kind of blown like that they were even doing that he was even doing that you know what I'm saying like right. and you know you know Back in those days, you know, Ron G tapes were in high demand, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. and, you know, I always, like, it was, I was a, I was a mixtape dude, so 
and th those mixtapes are, are classics. Um, so for number four, I wanted to I take it somewhere else. So, um, you know, when you go to college out of state and you meet people from different places, you get exposed to different um, subcultures of hip hop and um, even stuff that you might not listen to. But I was able to experience kind of the importance and the, the it was kind of like a, a, a renaissance for this particular area and you know and this person was responsible for that so i want to give him some shine I, you know and that was uh dj screw um okay because it wasn't what i was listening to you know what i'm saying but the uh, it was a large contingency of people around me and a friend of mine but I was able to go out there and, and experience the, the, the culture and like it was it was crazy like when you when you hear the history of that and how you know how that came about like I was just impressed you know what I'm saying like anytime you you you, you do your own thing something that hasn't been done and then it, it captivates the area like I gotta give you respect for that you know what I'm saying so that's why I had him I wanted to show him some love at number um, four rest in peace to him by the way um DJ Premier is three. The scratches, man, like, <laughs> the scratches is crazy. And, like, you know, uh, like, the enemy, unbelievable. Like, those are ones. But what really blew my mind was Code of the Streets because it wasn't even anybody saying anything. It was yeah. just a sound. And he was mm -hmm. just, like, he just they killed just it. Like, it was just a sound. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he was. Y'all know Code of the Streets, man. That, you know what I'm saying? Crazy. When I heard that, Crazy, I said, man, man this dude, man. Yeah, so, it was like, like some old, like, Morris Code shit. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just scratch it and destroy it. Like, and you know destroy what I mean? it, man. Like, and it's like, when when you hear stories of, like, how Unbelievable came about, like, it was like a, like, yo, just throw me some scratches on, on this beat. And you came up with that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, it's crazy, man. And then, you know, uh, number two and one, so I'm going to go, it's Cash Money and Jazzy Jeff. I'm from Philly. And, you know, my older cousins would not, um, would, would, would be pissed off at me if I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, you know, they're the ones that introduced that to me with Tap Money as well. There's another one they introduced to me, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, they made sure that I, I, I got that, that, that Philly, history and heritage in me through that you know what i'm saying and then jeff like i i was able to see um see some of the videos of him like doing like uh what is the transformer uh yeah. scratching like he's just crazy and like i feel like people that really don't know they look at dj jazz jeff and the fresh prince and they think of like the tv show you know what i'm saying think of like like this dude would destroy you, or like, 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 literally. You know what I'm saying? Like, even, even when later on in in their career, when when um they make they were making like boom, shake the room and all that, when nobody was really on. Oh, I want to rock right now on that album. He killed, he killed that. Like, and this is later on. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I just wanted to, you know, give him his flowers. So that's my top five. Yeah, man, the thing about Jeff, I tell folk, he was the dopest DJ walking the planet in the 80s. You know what I'm saying? When he was on them tours with Run, no disrespect to JMJ, rest in peace, Eric B, Terminator X, Mr. C, uh, Cut Creator, 
DJ Wiz with, no, I don't give a fuck, DJ Yella. I don't care who was on the tour. Jeff was better than them all. Jeff oh, was killing every oh, single last one. Jeff went to New York and I think it was 87 or 88, won a, a DMC competition, won the belt, the same belt that Scratch had on the cover, the 12 inch. For, um, so what you're saying, Jeff has won that, Cash has won that, some of my slept on DJs, DJ Miz from Philly. We don't play. Exactly. Jazzy um, Joyce was good. Yeah, Joyce was dope. Joyce was dope. Shout yeah. out to Joyce. I got also on my slept on list. I got Tat Money, who was Steady B's original DJ. Ended up being Kwame's DJ for a minute. Um, I also got DJ Babu from Dilated People. Oh, people yeah. Oh, wow. Babu. Yeah. You ever want to hear something dope about Babu? Worst come to worst, the scratches on worst come to worst. And there's a track on their last album called Cut My Teeth, that's crazy. Like Snip said, DJ Capri, DJ Kid Capri, I mean, just the legendary party DJ, you know what I'm saying? And the DJ a lot of people don't talk about, but who was dope as hell. And during the night, he was probably my favorite mixtape DJ, DJ Doo-Wop and the Bounce. Ooh, yeah. He had the dope intros at the beginning of yeah. every Doo-Wop mixtape was the bounce was Lord Tariq before Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. It was um Snagglepuss. I forgot the other people who was down with the bounce squad. My mind is failing me. But those do wop bounce squad, them mixed Yo, check out check out Mixcloud. Thank me later for this. There's a there's a live recording of Duop at Mecca at the tunnel right. on um mm. on uh, uh I think it's on SoundCloud or Mixtype Mixcloud. Okay. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Also what Talking to Babu, I, I need to just chip in and, and say J Rock as well, man. Oh, incredible, incredible DJ. I got a stupid. bunch of I got a bunch of stuff to talk about them in a minute. Yeah, stupid. Porsche, do you have any slept on DJs? I, actually, I was gonna say Jeff is a slept on DJ, um, and, and for the exact reason that Rel said, like when people think about DJ Jazzy Jeff, they're like, really, like he's dope, like he was a dope DJ, and and you're sitting there going like, yeah. <laughs> He was yeah. very dope. Um, nobody really sounded quite like that back in the 80s, you know? Um, and not only that, like the longevity. So I would definitely say um, DJ Jazzy Jeff, as much as people from Philly and, and you know, Will and, and just all the fame that he has from Fresh Prince or being in like, you know, on TV and stuff, as a DJ, he's definitely slept on. I would I would definitely put Jeff on, on, my, on my slept on list. All right, no doubt. Snips, you guys slept on DJs? I mean, I'm sure um, you do because you're a DJ, so you. But yeah, I mean, that come to mind. Yeah, to be honest, man. I mean, like being from the UK, there's a bunch of DJs at home that I know that could compete on the world stage that 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 just never got their shine because they were from the UK, you know. Right. Um, and again, even even some of the DJs in my list, Shorty Blitz, I would say, um, Cutmaster Swift from the UK, um, DJ Supreme, um, man. Uh, Shit, there's a bunch New York DJs or, or US DJs in general. Um, actually, I would say the beat junkies as a whole don't mm. get the respect that they should. Um, uh, yeah, man, there's, there, there's, there's a few. Do you know who's a really good DJ and people don't actually acknowledge him as a DJ? And maybe mm. they are starting to now because they've seen his um, his lives over the pandemic. But Ninth Wonder is dope. Oh yeah, Ninth Wonder. Okay, Woo! Ninth is dope. I saw Ninth play at APT in New York when I was Ninth out here about 10, 15 years ago and he murdered it. Crazy it's DJ. his knowledge of music, man. He, yeah. Like you may not rock with him all the way on a production level, 
but from a standpoint of having the music knowledge, which is probably one of the, from a standpoint of knowing what you're doing behind turntables, you also got to know the music. Yeah. He knows the music like the back of his hand. <coughs> yeah. And that is key. He knows how to read uh, a crowd and he knows how to play what they play. Like, he, he's on point. Yeah. He's definitely on point. I'll tell you this. He, he surprised me. Yeah. He surprised me. All right. I'm going to ask about this later, but Rec, who are your top five? So I'm going to finish up my my top five and I'm oh yeah my fault you you blacked out for a second so, yeah no i had to had to had to grab the door so jay ski right. jay ski is um my, my mentor he's the one who taught me one turntable turntablism and how to integrate it in a party you know like snips was saying uh that is an art because yeah. if i if i'm double backing or i'm beat juggling in a party and you don't know it but a head knows what's going on that is an art yeah. That is an absolute art to be able to do it one either in a party or on the radio to where it's frowned upon. That's an art because most program directors will tell you, you know, just blend your joint in, cut it and do whatever. I don't care how you get the song and get the song. In. To be able to do that, that's an absolute art. Um, DJ B is my number four. DJ B, DJ B, DJ B. He's from Philly. Just from the Philly. letter B. Nah, B E E. Okay. He's from Philly. Uh, okay. J-Ski has a crew of DJs called the Scratch Mechanics. Um, DJs from all over, right? Uh, B and J did a mixtape in 95. That was the first time I had ever heard of DJ B. I had been searching for that dude for 20 years. He popped up uh, at a party I was at at Norfolk State. He had moved from Philly to uh, Norfolk and is on the radio. He now has his own radio station called Fresh Radio. Dope, absolute dope DJ from, from, from top to bottom. Sick DJ. Um, and my number five, I am going to go with Trenton's own J.U. Ice, DJ Juice. If you have never heard of DJ Juice mixtape and you lived in the tri-state area in the 90s, you missed out. You missed out. Simple and plain. Uh, that's my top five as far as just what I'm what I'm listening to right now. Slept on DJs, DJ Doodle uh, out of Philly. This dude, man. <laughs> This dude will rock 45s and tear your whole party down. Period, point blank. With 45s, no Serato. Straight 45s. Um, Doodles is sick. Excel. Rich Nice, he was third bases DJ. Did all the cuts and scratches on the third base yeah, album. Yeah. That, that man that man got no shine because the group broke up. So, Yo, uh, Rich Nice. With that one wreck, DJ Rich, for people out there watching, check the product of the environment, the most yes, sir. and listen yes, to those sir. scratches. And that's DJ Daddy Rich. That that to me is some of his best work. I'm always yeah, pointing anybody to that remix for those scratches. Yeah, he 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 uh he basically he was another DJ I listened to early on and was like, okay, all right, yeah, I, I got it. But those are my slept on. All right, Rel, and he slept on DJs. Um, yeah, um, I'm gonna go Tony Touch. I used to love love uh, yeah. Tony Touch, uh, 50 MC mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Crazy, like it's some, yeah, yeah there's some classic stuff on the mixtapes, bro. Like the DITC uh, section of one of the mixtapes is crazy. Um, yeah, Tony Touch, Tony Touch with that dude, and uh, another slept on Rock Raider. Um, I think it slept on. Um, yeah, um, I saw, I saw a video of him. I think it was Busta Rhymes concert or whatever. He was a DJ, and he was. 
he was killing it, man. That that I saw that it made me go back and do some research. Like a lot of a lot of DJs like that I didn't know about like that. I would just go back and and research it. And you know, you go down that rabbit hole yeah. um, of just finding stuff, and you kind of appreciate it more. And I always say this: like we got two DJs on here and a producer. Like, like I give y'all a lot of credit, man. Like, cause y'all, you know, y'all make magic out of just stuff. Like y'all, y'all are geniuses for doing that man so i appreciate what y'all do now here's the wild part um so somewhere along the line the dj got faded out he got pushed out in the 80s if you wanted to be a rapper if me and rel were best friends and we wanted to be a rap group we had to have a dj you could not just be just the two of y'all, you had to have a DJ. It was a prerequisite. It's like, just it just is what it is. By the time the 90s crept in, you started to see more MCs coming up. You'd see a red man. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I forgot. D, uh, I just, I know his DJ's name. What's his DJ? Twins. Name? DJ Twins. Twins. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, is it wasn't like red man and twins. It's like, you really have to be a diehard red man fan to know yeah. his DJ's name. Keith Murray, K Solo, Das Effects. You had these groups popping up. Nas. You know what I mean? You had these MCs that were coming up that no longer needed a DJ. You know, so why do you guys think the DJ got faded out once the 90s came into play? Porsche, what do you think, sis? Um, I don't know, to be honest, but I think that it had probably something to do with the like business side of it because I know that a lot of times um well not a lot of times but I guess like you know if you read Rakim's book um check what is it check the technique yeah right um he kind of mentions that there was some sort of you know friction there because he's doing some stuff and Eric B is doing some stuff and then there's like a conflict with who's doing more and what's going on and I think I to me, I think it had to do with the business side of things on the back end, not so much the friendship. And of course, it permeates into the group and the chemistry because now, you know, everyone's in their feelings and, and you know, things are, you know, being said and done. And um, and I think that's what it is. And I think it, it really, you know, MCs were able to, they were like, okay, well, well, this is what it seems like to me as an onlooker. Like, um, MCs were like, okay, well, I've got my rhymes and there's like, you know, DJs everywhere, producers everywhere. I can really just go and, you know, connect with these people. And then the the DJs were thinking the same thing. Like, damn, if, if he's going to go out and, you know, expand his network and, you know, hook up with this guy and that guy, well, I'm going to go and do outside production and DJing as well. And that sort of kind of commingled and everything blurred. And I think that's where it's sort of everyone kind of went on their own and it wasn't it, it wasn't needed anymore. Just naturally, like organically, I think. Um, it just sort of fizzled away and everyone just did their own thing. That's that's what I think. Okay. For me, I think a couple of things. Number one, the DAT machine. Because when yeah. the DAT machine came into play, it was like, I can just put all my stuff on this tape, play it, hit play, and I'm good to go. And it reminded me similar, um, most people know my whole family are musicians. My mom is a jazz musician, my uncle's a bass player, and he played in a band in Philly called Axis. And I remember when he first got his drum machine in maybe like 82, 83, he was so hyped 
on some old, I can practice now and I don't need the drummer. You know what I mean? So when drum machines came up, that almost was the death of the band because mm. now you didn't need a whole band anymore. You know, before I had to have the drummer to keep the, to keep the pace and to keep the tempo and everything for me to be able to practice. But once the 80s came in style, you know, the drum machine basically killed the band. You saw less and less bands when you go back to the 70s. Everybody had a band. Everybody had a drummer. Everybody had a bass player. Similar to what we're saying about everybody had a DJ in the 80s. Uh, the dad to me just killed that, you know, just dead at that. And it was like, oh, we don't need DJs anymore. And then I do agree with what Poor said about the business side of it, because one thing, um, and people forget that Google was, um, you know, Google was old. He may have been 28, 29 when Words I Manifest came out and I was 14, yeah. you know. And Premier was talking about how he said, yo, bro, if we gonna sign this record contract, you gotta do more than just DJ. Because if that's the case, then I'm just gonna pay you for the shows we do. So if you want to get half this money, you're going to have to do something else. And that's what got Premier into doing production. You know what I mean? So I think what essentially happened is, I mean, no disrespect to these, to the names I'm about to say, but Eric B wasn't the greatest DJ. You know what I mean? So after a while, it's kind of just like, you know, why are you here? DJ Polo, I'm hearing, he didn't even do half the scratches on the Cool G oh, rap You know what I mean? So <laughs> he, um, he, he so, didn't, um, Dr. Butcher did. Ah, right. Wow. So, you, so you have situations where now you the DJ in the group, like, bro, how are you going to be my chauffeur and you don't even drive me? <laughs> like, like, bro, that's, part, yeah. that's your job. How are you going to be right. my chauffeur? But don't drive. You in the backseat. So I think, and it also came into the business of just money. You know what I mean? I can cut half of this money out, you know what I mean, of splitting this with you if you're really not doing anything. So, you know, to me, it's the dad tape along with the business. Snips, what do you think about why did the DJ get faded out like that in the 90s? I have, I have two theories, man. Um, one, I mean, if you look at the four elements of hip hop and what out of those four can be monetized through music, right? Really, it's just rapping. You can't really monetize dance. You can't monetize DJing and you can't monetize graffiti when it comes to selling music, right? So obviously right. that was, we're always gonna make the rapper the forefront. Um, DJing you potentially could because you still needed a DJ for a live show and a lot of DJs were producers, right? So essentially if you think about hip hop as production, it, it, you had to really be a DJ to be a producer to some level because you it was, it was about your record collection, it was about understanding the breaks. So I think if you look at through the 90s, you still had DJs that were DJing for the artists, but producing as well. Once you, once Illmatic took, became, you know, the, this, this, this kind of like holy grail of, of rap albums that it was, it changed the whole format of how producers produced for artists. So it wasn't a case of Pete Rock produced the whole Pete Rock and CL Smooth album. Uh, Premier produced the whole Gangstar album. Suddenly things didn't work like that. And, and the, the, the DJs that were DJing for groups became producers in their own right. So they weren't necessarily group DJs anymore. They were just producers, right? So the artists themselves didn't need a singular DJ to be part of their group. They just went to the DJ who'd become this superstar producer. Then if you if you look a few, a few, uh, a few years down the line, people didn't want to play for samples anymore. So they started to alienate the type of producer who was also a DJ. 
and they were going to producers who didn't need to have a DJ background because they weren't using samples. They didn't come from a culture of collecting records or breaks. So I think those two things were pivotal in, 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 in cutting out how important the DJ was to, to the music. Right. This is a dope yeah. point about the producer um, DJ element because, you know, I always said, you know, most people who are producers, some started off as DJs. Yeah. Or many became DJs because you're essentially doing the same thing. You're trying to blend it's, two it's one and the together. same. Yeah, you're it's blending the same records together. You're finding the same tempo. So it's like, okay, let me find this sample. Let me find some drums. Yeah. Let me get the tempos together. And here we go. So to me, it's like, like you said, it's like a, a like when um people don't realize Buckwild from DITC was a big mixtape DJ back yep. then. You know, I had yep. a whole slew of Buckwild mixtapes. So again, it's never a shock to me when a when a DJ ends up becoming a producer because it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Rec, what do you think? What do you think? Why do you think the DJ kind of got X'd out like that in the nineties? It's funny, man. Y'all points I wrote down that I put a dollar sign and production <laughs> in that order. Uh, the dat machine killed it. You didn't have to human error. That's a big thing. Um, you didn't have to worry as far as like having to pay uh, a DJ. Uh, you know that's a big thing. And then with human error, a lot of people don't understand. Like when you perform, you're not always in an arena. You could be outside. I'll I, I, I caveat to the big cat Biggie situation where he threw the I water bottle. I <laughs> Like. You know, with phase, that's not an issue today. But in '96, yeah. the wind's blowing, and you got a shaky stage, and you're trying to get this DJ to, you know, drop stuff on the one and the two, like, and the and the, and the needle skips. Come on, man! Like, it cut out. It it made it to where it could be a flawless show, and you didn't have to worry about paying somebody for their fuck ups, because <laughs> that DJ still gonna want their money regardless of that needle skip. You ain't right. got to worry about that. Uh, just it was it, with technology, technology and and money in the business, like you guys said, moved the DJ uh, to the background to where you know the next step was production. Right. You yeah. Know? It was the next step. It was inevitable. It was gonna happen. It was already happening. But you know that kind of just moved it a little bit faster. Like okay, my my show money's gonna dry up. No problem. I can get money based on the samples I can use with these four thousand, five thousand records I got down here. That's where I'm going. Right, right, right. Well, what, what you think, good brother? I think, you know, all y'all made good points, and I think it's a perfect storm of all those things. Like, um, like uh, the point was made earlier, like, out of the, the four elements of hip-hop, which one can you really start make money off of like that? And that's only the MCing, you know what I'm saying? Like, the graphing, the dancing, and DJing. Like, how do you monetize that? You know what I'm saying? And with, you know, the advancements in technology and just how the world advanced more. And then the the industry advanced more of a money-making industry. You know what I'm saying? Like, it kind of just kind of phased the DJ out. And then another thing is, like I was saying, a production. Like, so so it's like, you got gang style, you got DJ Premier producing everything. So you telling me I cannot be a part of Gangstar, but I can get Premier to produce on my album, and then I can go get oh, I can get Q-Tip to okay, you know what I'm saying? Like so now, so then it turns it into more of just the production side, and not necessarily the DJ unless it's the live show. You know what I'm saying? So right. I think that was that was a good point. I think all of those things kind of just 
kind of just phased phased the the DJ out as far as to the mainstream, like being in the forefront of the artist, I mean the rapper and the DJ dynamic. It started to put the rapper in front of um, and the main person in that dynamic. So, And actually, to, to add on to that, to give you an example, what I used to DJ for a group in London called Poisonous Poets, right? I used to produce for them and I used to DJ. When I would DJ live shows with the artists that I produce for, it's a different experience when you're the producer and the DJ because you understand the records that you're playing, you're understanding where to cut shit out, you're understanding where, like, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a different synergy with a group when you're the DJ and the producer. So right. when you look at, uh, if you've ever seen Gangstar perform or you've seen Pete Rock and CL Smooth perform, the synergy as a, as a collective and as a group is much different to like you say, watching, you know, Red Man with Twins or Nas with whoever he's got DJing that night for him. Like, you know, like Green Lantern was spinning for like, not, and that's not to knock those DJs at all, but like when you're actually in a group and you've produced those records that you're spinning for that artist, it's, it's, a, it's a different thing. It's a whole different thing. It's similar, Large Pro was talking about that when you're an MC and a producer and you produce yeah. for yourself. The synergy mm. is different because I'm, I yeah. don't have to sell you on this beat. Like I'm making yeah. the beat for me. Yeah. So yeah. I know how to yeah. ride the beat. I know how to do that. So um, that's a great point too. Well, we did that's that's right why. Yeah. Well, Sorry, so, I just yeah. have a question. I, yeah. Like a couple people said um, that the DJ wasn't able to be monetized. What, what does that mean exactly? Because um, from what I know of the industry like actually the dj was monetized they were um with an mc they were like there are djs that have put out um records there are their djs are required for sh live shows there's no rapper that's going to get booked with a live show who's just walking out on stage with a mic and performing like so help me understand what you Okay, let me let me give you an example. Let me take this first real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for one it. of the things is is you you have to look at the time of it. So when you're talking about the early '90s, you could have a deep, a person walk out on stage with just the dat tape playing. You know yeah. what I mean? And then you're also talking about in the '90s, we didn't get DJ records yet. Like we didn't get the Funk Flex 60 minutes mixtapes. Like we didn't get those those things came later on in life. Well, like now you can now Quest Love can do a show. And he's just spinning like mm. that didn't exist in the 90s and at least i can only speak for philly baltimore where i was at those things didn't exist like you wouldn't see just a dj jazzy jeff is gonna be you know downtown at gotham like that it didn't mm. exist like so no. at that time in the 90s like now a dj can stand on their own you know what i mean like mm. step said you know production wise all those things it's like the dj kind of came back and we're going to talk about that in a minute but to me like in the 90s you just weren't gonna see DJ Jazzy Jeff is playing by by themselves. If you saw that flyer, you'd be like, "Well, where's the but, Fresh Prince?" Well, but you you did have DJ. I just checked the release date of um, DJ Cool's um, first album, and that was 1990. You did have let me let me clear my throat. Who was yeah. he's all about scratching? He's all he's about a, he's, I mean, he's, a DJ, he's, a, he's a go go DJ. Nobody looked at Cool as a hip hop DJ. No, yeah, a, but yeah. but. There, there were DJs that were so. There was an ability to monetize DJ, right? So, um, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, DJ Clue, but, but that's DJ Clue first. came out, right? DJ Clue came out in the '90s, right? Clue came so out are in we? 95. Yes. Okay, so that's mid '90s. 
Okay. Right. But, yeah. but again, but, but I'm just talking about the beginning of the night. And DJ, okay. like, I don't know any human being who really fucks with cool like that. Like, nobody. No. You, you so, gotta be from DC for that one. Yeah, like that. That that's well, a specific thing. So, what what what? At least for me, what I'm saying, monetize. Like, it's a different world now. Like, so by the time Clue came up in like '96, and then what happened is that record labels began to see, okay, we can break records through mixtapes. Cool. So, times change. Like with hip hop, especially in the '90s. Years, a year or two can change the whole progression of the of the culture. Yeah. Like I tell people, '92 when I went to Morgan, '91, '92, Paris said, "Still, I haven't seen one rapper living comfortable." Okay. Paris yeah. Smith, EPMD, Tribe Called Quest was still living at home in a mom's crib. Gangstar, one of the biggest groups in the world, is living with Branford Marcellus in his basement. Fast yeah. forward two years, now we got MTV Cribs. Now rappers, yeah. are rappers are rich. So. A two-year span can change everything. So by the time when Clue first started with the exclusive, it was like, all right, cool, that's dope. But then what ended up happening was then Bad Boy partnered with Clue. Yeah. So now you're starting to get into the era of where now you could monetize being a DJ by yourself. And then like but, Rockefeller but, had Clue. I forgot, like almost every record label was having a DJ kind of push their stuff out there. But so, it's also important to, to acknowledge even there Clue was being monetized for everything but the fact that he was DJ, because not like the, the the monetization of Clue had nothing to do with him being a DJ. What they realized is these people. It's like the same with Khaled. Nothing about Khaled is a DJ. As a DJ, right? They're called DJs. Like even with Clue, there was no DJing on Clue's tapes by that point. Yeah. I was you just know, about to say, there was never it, any it, scratching, it was never any blending, it'd be clue, 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 and then he'd just drop an exclusive, and we fucked with him because we knew if you get a clue tape, you're gonna, you're gonna get the newest shit ever. It was never about DJ skills, it was yeah. literally about, I don't even he know. Was, he was plugged right. in in the industry and he got the records first, that was it. And, yep. and like Porsche's right in a sense that, you know, there were flex. You know, Flex did release albums, but if you Didn't think Kid about Capri it, compare it. Sell, isn't Kid that like Kid Capri's biggest thing? Is he sold out everything he had out of a back of a van, like just right, because but, people wanted to hear Kid Capri's shit, right? So no, no, no doubt. But 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 what I'm saying is, if you look at it, look at it comparatively to rappers, it was such a small amount of DJs that were able to do that, and and the, and the rappers could exist without the DJ. The no, rappers, I just wanted to. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that because. Yeah. Because when I think when we say like the DJ can't be monetized, it, it sort of means that there was no ability to monetize, but there was. It was just not as prevalent um, in the well, 90s. I mean, it was a, even it was a lot more work. Yeah, right. But even DJ Quick it. came out early 90s as well, right? And he was. But he was a rapper. He was a rapper. Well, like, yeah. He yeah. wasn't known as being a DJ. He was yeah. known for being a rapper. So just at that time, it's almost like yeah. saying, like, you know what? There was a time when breakdancing could be monetized for a minute yeah. because you know yeah. hey you know what michael jackson needs break dancers to teach him how to moonwalk or michael jackson needs break dancers in a thriller video or you know what what's that movie with ivory and cara um flash dance we need a break yeah. dancer to teach you how to do a backspin and then that shit disappeared so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna break your heart right now and if i'm not gonna tell you who the artist is or the dj because i i don't want to throw them in the shit but i know for a fact that there was a DJ who was being paid $500 a show 
to DJ for one of the biggest art, possibly the biggest rapper in the world. Who would have been getting upwards of six figures a show and the DJ was getting broken off $500 to be his DJ? That's the difference in the in the, the, the value that is placed on how important the DJ is to be a part of a live show at this point. Because even a drummer in a band that's being paid 10K is not getting paid $500. But DJs are seen as so insignificant. You're just, because at this point, you're not there to be a part of the show. You're literally there to press stop and play on a CDJ. Right. You know, I mean, it's the point that I bring up all the time for me doing ticket giveaways at the Howard. The only time in three years through every hip hop group that's come through D.C. that I saw yeah. a live DJ performer for was the Dungeon family. And they had two yeah. DJs scratching wow. live. Every other yeah. DJ is just like Snip said. Yeah. Of course, you could do it. Yeah. If you can turn it off a light switch, you could be a DJ right now. It's expendable. Yeah. Again, yeah. it's not that maybe that a DJ can't monetize, but like Snip said, 500 to six figures, like to me, that's not monetizing. What am I gonna do with $500? Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can, my cable bill is 300. So what am I gonna do with 500 not, 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 e yeah. not even that, you gotta think. My mixer base prices is $1,800. Yeah. I can't, Snip's to tell you, look, it's yeah. a certain price we ain't getting out the bed for. Yeah. Because because I have to keep my equipment up. I have to still go dig for records, even if I do use Serato. I still got to dig for certain records because I still yeah. need to digitize those records. It is expensive to be a DJ. This is not a cheap uh, startup. No, it don't work like that. So I'm not getting out the bed for five hundred dollars. I can I can go make that on a mixtape in a week. I'm not getting out you know, there. I'll give you a great now. example. Will was talking about this in his book. He said, yo, when we went to, um, when he started Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, him and Jeff owed the IRS millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. They were broke. Will was I trying to get that. Jeff to come out to be on the show. Like, bro, I got you. We're going to write you into the show. Woo, woo, woo. Jeff was like, nah, I don't want to do it. Will was like, nigga, you broke. You owe the IRS. This is what I mean. Now, this is 1990. DJ Jazzy Jeff, one the greatest DJ in the world right now, has no way to monetize himself. Mm. Greatest DJ in the world, hands down. 1990, yeah. Jeff Easy, eyes closed, broke, living in his mother's house, owing the IRS millions of dollars. So that's what I mean by at that point in time, a DJ couldn't be monetized because Jeff couldn't Jeff couldn't just say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go on tour by myself. Nope, not gonna no. happen. Yeah, Nobody wants to be a DJ by himself in 1990. And even if you're a DJ doing a DJ album, you still need a bunch of rappers to make it work. Exactly. Mm. The Kid Capri mm. thing, the reason why Kid Capri got the jam with uh, Coach Young, you got the book because Biz signed it. You know what yeah. I mean? And that album did horrible. It, it didn't sell yeah. anything. No. You know what I mean? Because at that time, it's almost like how I say everything in life is about time. When yeah. Kane came out in the Don't Curse video with the silk shirt on, with the champagne, we always like, what the fuck is going on? But then fast forward two years and Jay-Z does it and it's the shit now. now everybody wants yeah. shirt and champagne. So it's yeah. just the time, the same thing. Funk Flex couldn't have dropped that album on Loud Records in 91. Nobody would have wanted to hear Funk Flex. And think about this, it's just like Snip said, you needed MCs to be on that. So yeah. now you need a budget for that. You yeah. know, so that that's what I mean. Like now again, now it's a much different place, but in the 90s, Mm -hmm. If you weren't DJ and it was like, what am I gonna do? Like, yeah. I don't have anything else to do to make. I got one last piece, so that way, you, you... Porch, think about it like this: 
DJs don't get up there and make their own sounds. We got to play records, right? With those records, what happens? Publishing. Those artists can sue you for that. So, yeah, it's it's tough to monetize at that time the art of DJing. Where'd you go? Did you leave us? Uh-oh. Go ahead, Porsche. Go ahead, host. Make it happen. I don't know. Where, I don't know where he was going with it. I don't know what part of the what part of the questions he was at. Hold he'll on. be back shortly. I'm sure. Yeah, he'll be back. But I, I, I think, I think you are right though. Now we're at a point where the DJ is able to monetize DJing, but oh, really, yeah. what they're monetizing isn't actually DJing. It's, it's, it's influencers and personalities, and you know, like it's not the actual art of DJing that's being monetized. You know. Yeah, like I don't think so, I've ever heard of Cali. I mean, album DJ Scratch, Scratch monetizes from Scratch Vision. Yeah, like, he does. But even yes, yes. So right. But again, yeah, but it is, we're looking at it. But we're looking at Scratch Vision as what maybe five years ago. We're talking from no, nineteen. No, sorry, wait, we're talking about now. No, no, we. we oh, now, now. now. But, 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 yeah. but, but what I mean is, even even still, uh, unless you Scratch as an example, because he's actually a great DJ, and he what he's selling you as a product is actual DJing as opposed to Khaled that's selling you a personality or whatever, right? right. But even with that, I, I I don't like to speculate what other people earn, but you know. Monet- scratch monetizing off of scratch vision it's still incomparable to the way a rapper can monetize him being a rapper you know like scratch is never going to be able to take that to the level that you know yeah but that's like, the- yeah but that's that's kind of irrelevant because that's like saying oh uh you know a teacher will never make as much as a doctor yeah it, of course not they're different professions right so but i mean but, but, really but considering we're talking about an where the the, the, the DJ was more prevalent than the rapper. Right, right. right. You know. So it comes down. Um, when, when, guys, when, sorry. Just excuse me one second. Uh, I, <laughs> I know this sounds bad. I um I came straight from work and logged on, so I'm just about to grab my food. I'm, I'm gonna be right back. Think, good brother. It's all good. And I think too, Porsche. The other way of looking at monetization is how much money do you need? Because here's the thing: anything could be monetized. I could work at a homeless shelter and make five dollars an hour, and I'm making money. Is that enough money to survive off of? I was just trying to. Sorry, I was just trying to clarify for people listening that. Oh no, 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 no! no, 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 I totally get it. I totally get it. Monetize. It doesn't mean that it was impossible to make money off of being a DJ. It was just. I just wanted you guys to clarify what you meant by that. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like the time and spacing of being able to make money off of DJ. Like with Mm -hmm. Black Folk, there was a time we couldn't use a white water fountain. There was times we had to ride the back. So there's a progression. So it's the same thing with the DJ. There was a time they couldn't make any money. Now we begin to see the progression of, okay, now I can do these things. Black folk couldn't vote. Women couldn't vote. Like, it's the progression of the DJ. So just in the 90s. I also want to be really clear. I don't consider DJ Khaled anything but a promoter. Like, he's like a promoter. (laughs) He's not not a DJ. He's not a producer. He's not a rapper. He's not anything more than a promoter. (laughs) So I just want to be really clear. It's the same way how mixed he's bringing up DJ Khaled. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. don't bring up DJ Khaled. That's right. And it's it's almost the same way mixtapes change. In my day in the 90s, mixtapes was about breaking new music. Now mixtapes are albums. You know what I mean? Like, something is always shifting. Y'all made a great point about freestyling. I always say freestyling is off the top. Y'all made a yeah. point. Post 2000, you had a lot of MCs who would get deals based off their freestyles. So that meant I can't leave this up to chance that Jay, that I'm gonna come off the top. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what if I fuck up and Jay's listening and I don't get a deal? So now I have to kick Rick. 
So it's like, again, it's just the progression of how words change. So, I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing now that DJs can do it, but there was a time and space, even if it's just three to five years, where the average DJ could not do what a clue did. You know, the mm -hmm. average DJ couldn't mm -hmm. do what a Funk Flex could do. You know, back in the day, it was, yo, we, we got to get our song to Funk Flex. Like, Funk Flex had all the power in the world being on Hot 97. He was the... He was the gatekeeper almost to everything. Yep. So um, we got that. Now tell me, um, I want to talk a little bit about turntablists. Um, and I always tell the story, is this time of the month again for me to piss off folk on Twitter when I say <laughs> white folk are not guests in hip hop. And I always give this example because I was at 88.9, somebody called up and was saying something about the scratch pickles. And I was like, yo, bro, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of the invisible scratch pickles. Like, what is that? And I was like, yo, just just come through my crib tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, and bang, bang, bang on the door. My man like, yo, it's like three white cats at the door. I'm like, word, boom, came in, chopped up, had all these VHS tapes, spent the rest of the day schooling me on turntablism. Cause at that point I hadn't heard of it. I'm doing an underground hip hop show. I knew nothing about the scratch pickles. I heard about the X-Men and these dudes schooled me on it. So that's just another reason why I'm never like this whole white people are guessing hip hop. I've never been with that shit. But let's talk about the turntablist because I think, of course, to your point, what I think the DJ did that was so dope would say, okay, we're not needed here. Well, you know what? Let's start our own world over here. Let's start our own lane. Let's start our own brand over here. Um, and so much of that goes to the executioners. Uh, Mr. Sinister, Rob Swift, Rock Raider, R.I.P., Total Eclipse, DJ Precision, DJ Boogie Blind, and the Invisible Scratch Pickles, Q-Bird, Shortcut, B-Styles, Mixmaster Mike, DJ Disc, DJ Flair, Yogi Frog, DJ Apollo, and DJ A-Track. Snips, Rec, talk to me about turntablists because I really don't know where this came from. Like I said, I'm just on the radio one day, somebody calls up, and schools me to it. Are you guys familiar with how, like, how this came? Where did the executioners come from? Where did the invisible scratch pickles come from? Where did this turntableism genre of hip hop come from? Snips, you want me to start? You still, you still muted, brother. Still muted. My bad. I think, um, I actually think it ties into what we were just talking about, and I think that, I think that there was a, a feeling of abandonment, um from the culture as in you know we're, we're just not seen as that important we're not seen as that important we're not um you know we're not needed by rappers anymore so how can we turn our art form into something where we get to express ourselves because there's only so much you can express yourself by playing records in a club right or playing records for for a rapper but i think turntablism was was a way that djs were able to be like all right i want to actually i want to i want to say something if you watch rock raider he's saying something right with what he's doing He's actually trying to tell you something. He's telling a story with the records, and I think, I think it came from that, and it just evolved into something that became like mind blowing, right? Like if you watch some of these guys, it's insane how good they are. But I think initially that's where it came from—just the the, the 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 want to be able to to tell your story without having to rely on a rapper to be a part of it, you know? Right, right, right. What you think, right? I mean, I I agree with Sniff. Just you know that feeling of abandonment or being a black sheep because you go from here to just nowhere and it's like okay well we, we we can do something too you know coming out of people's garages and bedrooms there's there's thousands of djs who are in the turntablism that we most likely will never see or get to hear from just 
they're content with just being in their room and expressing themselves and that's a whole nother show honestly like just based on the form of it you know so many things have come out of it um it's needed it definitely pushed the culture of djing because if you don't have uh, a little bit of that in your arsenal uh it's not that you won't get taken seriously but from certain djs uh, you know, we're not gonna look at you funny, but we just we we know where you at. It's just like the lyricists that they still talking about, you know, the hipper to the hopper, and you got somebody like Yao, or you know, what I'm saying Ev, or somebody coming in hitting you with with syllabalistic flows. You know, you're gonna get looked at. Different. The respect is not necessarily gonna be. There's a base uh, level you have to have. Yes, there. So so within so within scratching turntablism, there is it's a language, right? And there's a certain base of language that you need to know as a DJ. Me and Snips can sit here and talk about baby scratches, um, uh, transformers. If I said a crab scratch or crab style, like he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Y'all looking at us like we crazy, but he and I, we just talking, right? It is a language that you need to know, and it's an art form of it. And you have to have a base understanding of it before, this is my opinion, before you should be able to stand in front of a set of turntables and call yourself a DJ, because without that, you're going to be lost. Cause somebody like myself or Snips is gonna hop on the turntables and make you look real crazy, and you and that com- that comes with practice and just being dedicated to the craft, and that's really what turntablism. Those guys, that to me, those guys are the epitome of uh, of, of determination and discipline. All right, two words you said. One I just forgot that quick. The other <laughs> was abandonment. Yeah. And- both you and Snip said that, and it made me think back to this Will Smith book where he was talking about him and Ready Rock C, who was their beatbox. You know what I'm saying? And basically, how they had a huge falling out because basically beatboxing went out of style. You know what I mean? So, on the first album, Ready Rock C is a huge part of the tour, he's a huge part of the show, he's a huge part of the album. By the second album, he's nowhere on the album. You know, he's on tour. People really aren't impressed by the beatboxing no more. And he said, yo, you know, one night, you know, we, we got off the tour and he just walked away and I walked away and we never spoke again. And he was like, this was my best friend. You know what I mean? So it's like that level of abandonment up in hip hop when something that you do gets phased out. What do you do? Like, you know, what is Will supposed to do for Ready Roxy? Like, bro, I, I don't know. Beat Nobody cares about this anymore. You know, when you look at Rozelle, he had that all I know that Pete Rock did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But not too many people really listened to that Rozelle album after that. And I think what really got it was that Pete Rock did the beat and Rozelle was rapping. He was also beatboxing, but that he like he was trying to like do something incorporated. Else. Yeah, incorporated really well. Because, you know, you, you basically, you know, did get abandoned and um and, and kind of like Breck, what you were saying that there's like a bare minimum. Um, you can't stand in front of the turntables and call yourself a DJ. No. That's what that's what my second point was. And that's gonna I'll come back to something else I want to talk about. But that wrong I wanna know what you guys feel about this. I'm sorry, Sims, what were you gonna say? Sorry, I, I was gonna revert back to something that you said, which I, I found was interesting. I know you mentioned before um about when people come at you on Twitter about white people being guests in hip hop and whatnot. And um, I think there's a reason that there's a disconnect with that conversation because the era that we come from, right? To be accepted in hip hop, regardless of, of what race you were, 
the amount of work that you had to put into understanding your craft you couldn't fake it right so I could never come into what I because you know I, I don't know how much you guys know about the UK but this, the hip hop scene was still was a predominantly black UK scene right so any white DJ that was a part of it the work that you had to do to be able to be taken seriously it was a lot right you couldn't just come in and be a part of this stuff whereas I feel like now the doors are open for anybody regardless of race to just become a part of it right so I understand why people have this thing where they're like oh you know look at you know people who aren't part of the culture just coming in as guests because now the culture is so open that anybody can come in as a guest but I feel right. like it's different from and it's the same way that like people weren't people weren't saying that about Stretch Armstrong in the 90s people weren't saying it about Alchemist people weren't saying it about Third Base because at that time you knew that people had to be good at what they did and what it took to be good was incredible dedication and 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 mm. Like I said, it was a discipline, right? Right. It doesn't exist anymore. So I think that's where there's a disconnect where I, where a lot of young kids would be like, oh, these are culture vultures. They don't, you don't know, that, because because the culture has allowed anybody to be a culture vulture. You know, it's you funny, don't need yeah. to. You know. I think it's that, and then it's the piece of when rappers talk. You know what yeah. I mean? It used to be the old saying, EF and people, when he talks, people listen. When rappers talk, people listen. So... Yeah. I never heard anything about guests in the hip hop until Lord Jamal made that statement. Then everybody right. jumped on that. I never yeah. heard Culture Vulture until Dame Dash made that statement. Then everybody yeah. jumped on that. Yeah. I came up in an era where I love the Beastie Boys. I never once knew anybody in my crew who said, yo, these are dope for some white boys. No, yeah, right. we love the Beastie Boys. When Paul Revere came on and Hold It Now hit it, all that. When I heard Step Into the AM, nobody said, yo, these are some dope-ass white boys. No. Yeah. This is some dope-ass... This is this is dope. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I think but, it's that... This could, I'm sorry, boy. Sorry, but, but culture vultures do exist. Oh, no, maybe no, 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 not, no, Maybe no, not no, as, as prevalent or maybe not as loosely as people, you know, call everybody, but culture vultures absolutely do exist. And oh, there 100%. are... Yeah. 100%. So, so no, I'm not, I'm not people that, aren't yeah. wrong by saying that you know, Dame Dash wasn't wrong by introducing that term. At least he termed it. Um, and Lord right. Jamar maybe wasn't wrong in in some aspects when he explains it. Um, that you know, it, it it's just I think a different perspective. But to, I just well, to, me, to me, they're two different things. Lord yeah. Jamar made a statement about all white people. I don't think you can make a statement about all of anybody. I can't sit here and tell you all women are this. I can't do that. That's what Lord Jamal did. Dame said, yeah, such and such may be a coach virtue. Right. That's cool. I'm not mad at that. I get mad at the statement of all anything. You know, being a black man, I hear from white folk all the time, oh, all black men are hoods, are thugs. That To me, that's the equivalent of Lord Jamal saying all white people are guests in hip-hop. You know, so to me, Prodigy again... Prodigy said the same thing to me, remember? I shared that on Twitter. And I disagree with Prodigy. Here's the cool thing about me. Y'all know me. I don't give a fuck what a rapper says. People yeah. tell me, oh, Kill, Kill, you're wrong. Big Daddy Kane said freestyle. I don't give a fuck what Kane said. I love Kane <laughs> to death. That don't mean yeah. that nigga Jesus, the I, rap Jesus. I think there's a... I think there's a... I think what people struggle with is that there's a, there's a nuance to that conversation that doesn't get taken in. I, I, I don't disagree with Lord Jamal by the way in, 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 I, 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 I disagree with the absolutism in the way that that statement has been taken but I don't actually disagree with him what I think where I think people struggle is 
Yeah, essentially we're talking about a culture that comes from the experience of, uh, of black and Hispanic people in New York City at a certain time in a certain place, right? So where I think people lose this, this lose the, the, the nuance of the discussion is, all right, let's say, for example, who has more claim to hip-hop? A 55-year-old white guy who grew up in the South Bronx or a 19-year-old Ghanaian kid from Sweden? Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, yep. and 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 this is where I think the, the 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 discussion gets lost when people talk in absolute terms. I I, I agree to a certain extent that what Jamal was saying that, that that you know, as as a white person, you're experiencing a culture that is essentially rooted in stuff that is foreign to you, and in order to be accepted into it, you need to have an understanding and a respect. I hundred percent I agree with that. I think. The conversation has given people a um, an easy, you know, like somebody who discovered hip hop via Jar Rule on MTV, living in Sweden, suddenly has the authority to to, to go on Twitter and say to a, a Stretch Armstrong or a Dante Ross, "Shut the fuck up, you're a culture vulture. You don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, that's when it becomes, you know, you're you're, you're kind of losing yeah. what the conversation was about you know right, so right. I, I, I think there's a I don't I don't think anything can be progressive when we speak in absolute terms right that's kind of Ralph, you got something to say Rob yeah <laughs> um the absolute part of it is where he is wrong and he's prodigy's wrong as well prodigy's one of my favorite rappers I just I just no, coming up, like you mentioned, the Beastie Boys, and um, I remember, man, it was a song that used to come on in Philly all the time on the radio, and I loved the song, and I didn't know who did the song until I listened to Questlove's uh, podcast thing, and it was MC Search. It was a song called Hey Boy, and I didn't know it was him, and it came on in Philly all the time, and I was like, and it was dope, and it's like, I don't want I don't like him saying it in absolutes because it was people it was people white people in hip hop all the way from the beginning. Like just right. because you know what I'm saying, that's not that I don't I don't like the absolutism in which he spoke yeah. about it. You know what I'm to saying? Me, absolute, now it, absolutism in everything is wrong. I can't sit yeah. here and tell you everybody yeah. from Philly is a stick up kid or everybody right. from that to me is where Jamal went wrong and again we're talking about Lord Jamal who's a 5% this is what I beg everyone people watching right now I beg of you because this is what Twitter social media and life has been now stop being a fucking robot have a thought of your own just because if one more motherfucker tells me we'll kill this rapper said I don't give a fuck I have a mind of my own I don't care if Rakim said it. I don't care if KRS said it. I don't care if Cool Herc said it. I don't care if every goddamn rapper in the world who ever had a record deal said it. I don't give a fuck. This is what I think about it. And that's just the end of the story. And that's what I want people to do. If you want to do the research, research it. Like I told old girl, uh, Boss Lady Rain, watch Star Wars. You talking about something you don't even know nothing about because you ain't never even seen it. Never do the seen research it. first. Yeah, and yeah. then do that. So if you want to say that, and Porsche, I 100% agree with you. There are culture vultures, and guess what? It ain't all white folk. There are a lot of black culture vultures, too. So I agree mm-hmm. with it. That's the other flip mm-hmm. of it. There's a lot of black people feeding off our culture who don't care nothing about hip-hop. 
And all I care about is if you love my culture, we cool. If you don't love my culture, we not cool. White, black, Puerto Rican, I don't give a fuck which you are. It's that simple with me. And I told yeah, you, I think, you get I think older. Jamar's statements in general are very, very heavy. Like they, they just carry a yeah. lot. This nigga's on Vlad TV. Nigga, you damn near the feds. I don't even trust yeah. you. Yeah. It's point. true. No, like, I mean, you're, 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 you're calling people guests in hip hop and you're sitting there across from Vlad. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing. That's the but craziest thing. He's, he's, trolling. he's not, he's not trolling all wrong. He's not all wrong. But again, there's a lot of layers to what Lord Jamar is yeah. saying. And I think people just take the, the surface level of it and either agree or disagree with it without understanding the layers that he's talking about. Again, it's really heavy, like for this DJ show. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In reality, the, the answer you know to what, a lot of these questions time. is it's complicated. You know, I think, and, and really, my answer to it is this: yeah. go out and get to know people. Do you know right. why you I can't agree. have a term that just talks about all people? Because you haven't got a chance to get out and know all people. That's yeah. all it is. Get out, get to know people, and and you will see. Like I said, maybe it's different for me. My my grandfather's wife was white. My mom's best friend was white. So I grew up around white folk who cared for me more than a lot of black folk cared. Mm-hmm. So again, my upbringing is different. Maybe there's somebody else who has a totally different upbringing. Totally right. get it. But all I'm saying is I'm never going to agree with anybody saying all of fill in the blank is no. So I'm not going to agree with that. No. Um, so here's the thing that I was going to say, because Breck, you said it, before you can stand behind the turntable and call yourself a DJ, you have to have some basics. Here's what I want to know how you guys feel, because now everybody's a DJ. We had the celeb DJ. Solange is a DJ. Erica Badu is a DJ. Q-Tip is a DJ. Ali, I mean, uh, Talib Kweli is a DJ. Everybody's a DJ. Quest the DJ, you know. Here's the thing, because, you know, Rec, you were talking about it with your mixer. 1,800 for a mixer. How much a Technic 1,200s? These days? <laughs> a car? I mean, I, I know they start, I know they stop making so, them. So, so, they, so, so I'll put it you like this. Snips, I don't know about you, but I got my text that's downstairs from a pawn shop in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 94. I got them both for $500. Yeah. I never got rid of them. Yeah. Same text I've had since 94. Yeah, once um, you get them, you're good. You never yeah. need to get rid of them. Yeah. And, the, and the reason why I'm saying that is because what's happened now with technology is once you buy an iPhone, you automatically can put five things on your bio. You're now a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. You're now a producer. You're now a video director. You're now a video editor because you have all this software at your fingertips. And and I always say when people say, you know, Kill, what new producers do you like? And I'm like, it's not a lot. I think one of the reasons was because when you invested so much money into something, you were going to keep practicing at it. Like I said, an SP-1200 when I was in college was almost $4,000. So if I get my hands on an SP-1200, God damn it, I'm going to learn how to use that shit. It's, it's, totally it's interesting you, you say money, man. What you say? I was going to say, it's interesting you say money because there, there's a debate around this, right? A lot of people say, well, you know, now everybody has access to do stuff, right? So whether it's production, whether it's DJing, you don't need to be a rich kid to do it. And I was trying to explain, like, none of the DJs I knew were rich kids. I wasn't rich. I never had money growing up. Nobody I knew. But the work that we had to put in to raise that money to be able right. to buy those records like that was what <laughs> what separated you from 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 fairweather fans who like the idea of dj no it's like i'm, I'm gonna go without food 
to do this shit. Right. I've done some things that I am ashamed of to get records. That's all I'm going to say. That's why I started because, hey, bro. I've done some. I've 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 done some things that uh, I didn't do. Wrong. At the point of <laughs> what we were doing to do this, there was no quit in us. Uh-uh. See, so when you get an iPhone now, you like. Uh, and 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 the reason why I was saying this is because I'm very cognizant to not disrespect the, yeah. the architects. Meaning, if you come to my house, there's pictures of Naomi up. People see them, they're like, "Oh, who took those pictures? Oh, Kill, you took them. Oh, you're a great photographer. I just take pictures." I'm not a yeah. photographer. You yeah. know what I mean? I can take good pictures. That's what I do. Because I don't want to disrespect the photographers who have put in the time and put in the the, the efforts. I, I, I open my phone. I hit auto. I'm not adjusting no shutter speeds. I'm not doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. I just take good pictures. So I make mixtapes. People are like, yo, you're a good DJ. Eh, nah, I just I just, I just just play around on, uh, what, I don't even know, what is this called? Uh, mixtape. <laughs> you know, I just play yeah, around well, on that. I make blends. I blend. I'm that. not that's, a that's DJ. A, that was our first like, conversation. That's how that's how I linked up with you. I needed advice on something. And that was one of the first things you said to me. Oh, okay, you got, you DJ? Look, first and foremost, I put music together. Like, that was, that. Yeah, you, I'm you not made that very clear. Like, and I think that that's something, because, and because I feel that way as a producer, I feel like now everybody's a producer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you you get an iPhone, you got GarageBand. You buy an iPad, you got this. You know what? Let me, what? Tell you Let this me try my hands at it. Plus, I got YouTube now again with DJs and producers. They went hand in hand because because of these things behind. You could not be a producer. I, I see you. I see your work, mine brother. Mind it downstairs. I'm in. I'm in the kitchen. Mind it downstairs. You could not. You could not do it because you would get an SP twelve hundred, which was thirty five hundred. Then you had to buy a turntable. Then you had to buy speakers and an amp and all of that. And now you got all. You done spent five thousand dollars and you're ready to go. But guess what? You don't have records. And this is so, a thing, kill man. The time. This is what people don't understand, right? And and. and when it comes to production and DJing, something's very similar, right? You want to be, a, whatever you want to do, you want to compete with the people that are the best at doing it, right? So you're a producer, you want to compete with Pete Rock, you want to compete with Premier, you want to compete with Alchemist. You have to build your sample <laughs> library. Yeah. You have to know those records. You can't, you have at least a records until right. you know the breaks, until you know what drum breaks you're trying to find. And it's the same with DJing. It's like, right, I started DJing in 95, 96. So I was buying hip hop and R&B records and reggae records as they were coming out. But then I'm starting to get booked for clubs and I'm playing with people. And those people are playing the records from the 70s and 80s that I don't have yet. Yep. So I have to go out and find those records. And there's no, there's no, there's no Discogs, there's no eBay. No, I'm no having Shazam. to go and dig in record stores and learn these records and find these records. And only now that I've built up a collection of six, seven, eight hundred records, where I've got the classics and I've got the house records that I need, and I've got the reggae records, and I've got and I've got these classic records that I need to be able to compete with the best people doing it. Only then can I really be taken seriously in my craft. And and we're talking that's a three or four year time period of, of, of really right. cutting my teeth and learning how to do this these kids are buying fruit loops they're looping something and then a week later they're a producer and they've put something on soundcloud or they've bought serato i've dj'd with people that don't even know how to set up their serato in a club yet it's like you just got this shit a month ago you you have no business doing this professionally yet but we're in this fast culture of like oh no i you know like you said i bought an iphone i'm a photographer now now I'm a producer. Now I'm, it's like the 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 
like this this record collection that took so many years of my life from blood, sweat, and tears and all the rest of it, like this can be downloaded in a couple of hours. Now. Right. You know, it's and, 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 and there's a there's a blessing to that. The blessing is if you do care and you've put that work in, I can now I have my collection on a hard drive. So if I get booked to go and DJ in Germany or I'm in Sweden, I just have to take my laptop. I don't have to worry about potentially losing three crates of records on a plane and paying extra shipping. You know, if something like new music that comes out that doesn't get released on vinyl, I can have the MP3 and I can still be able to play it. So there is a blessing to it. But with that blessing comes a curse, man, where just anybody can do it. It's like, it's like the YouTube sampling, man. There, there may be records that you could never, ever find. And now somebody can send you a WAV or they can, and you can sample it. That's a blessing for you. And, and you've put the work in where you deserve to be able to cut those corners, right? But the person who just bought Fruity Loops yesterday and can now access your entire collection on YouTube, they don't deserve that yet. They ain't put the hours in, you right. know? Right. And, it, and it's crazy because you think about it, it, it put radio stations out of business like yeah. strictly hip-hop what i hosted for years people tuned in every friday because they knew we can hear the new shit kill is gonna play the new shit yeah now it would be yo kill yo i want to hear such such oh i ain't even got that yet oh yo what's your email just I, i'll send it to you like now yeah. I, now you got the listeners sending you the music like yeah. oh you ain't got that yet okay here you go yeah. OG. so it, it it again like you said it's a blessing but then at the same token you, you, we didn't have who sampled. But you know, you know what's crazy, Killed? You know, and, and I know that Rick will attest to this as well. With all of this at our fingertips, right? All of this access that we have. Like, me and me and Rick could go and DJ a party tomorrow. We have access to any record we want, right? To be able to play it. And never has there been a time where DJs are so lazy and they're playing from the same yeah. bag of 30 records. Yeah. Nobody's taking chances. Nobody's trying to dig out their comfort zone. And it's like, hold on, we were trying to dig out our comfort zone when we were actually going and hunting for records. Now you have everything at your fingertips and you're playing the same 10 Drake and Cardi B records all night. Yep. Like the, the, the lack of creativity I, in this I, right I, now is just... I have a theory on that one. So, so think about it like this, right? Snips and I, we, we play out in clubs and you know corporate events or whatever, right? The promoters... They want you to come in and do a specific thing. And they yeah. have the power in a sense because if you don't bring them what supposedly the people want, then you don't get booked. And those 30 records or whatever, you know, are what we consider power hour records, right? Mm. Um, if you don't play those power hour records or you haven't built your name to where like, you know, you're a Jazzy Jeff or a Rich Medina to where people are coming to hear you play, whatever you play, chances are sometimes you don't get booked. So yeah. I think the new DJ hasn't cut their teeth. They haven't broken records. They don't know what it is to break records. They don't know how to break records. Artists don't know how to come to the booth and break a record. Yeah. Artists will come to you and be like, yo, yo, OG, play my song. I can't do shit with this in the booth. Yeah. Now, I, now I can, but I'm not. I don't know what's on your phone. I'm not going to hook your phone up to $3,000 worth of equipment. But isn't this crazy? Is You know how you can really tell the pedigree of these DJs? Put mm. them on in a warm-up set. Yeah, yeah. And you know what they do? They still play the same 30 the power same hour 30. records they to a half empty club. That's and that's how you know that they haven't cut the teeth. So Correct. what you're saying is Porsche would not be successful as a DJ because she would have to play Drake all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in, in, in 2021, 2022, 
I'll hang it yeah, up. You, look, if you ain't got no Drake I'm the Grandpa Simpson gif. Walking in, walking right out. That's me. The Grandpa Simpson gif is me. I have a folder in my Serato called Get Out of Jail. And that's basically where I have Yep. Like my Drake records, <laughs> my party records, and I and I go to every gig with the intention of not touching that folder because yep. I don't want to play them. But if I get to the point where it's one a.m. and and Megan from Accounts is screaming in my ear that she wants to hear Drake, I like that. I get, get out of jail. Get yeah. out of jail. Get out of jail. You got you gotta have it because it's like he said. We have all this access. But we've handcuffed ourselves because the younger generation of DJs are scared to break shit. So what happens is you get pigeonholed by the people who hold your check at the end of the yeah. night. And if you don't, if you're not a ballsy DJ or like kill you always, say, I don't give a fuck. If you're not one of them, I don't give a fuck DJs. Yep. We we have those crates for a reason. That way, we pull one or two songs out and be like, all right, maybe they won't come back. Let me go to something else. Okay. Next thing you know, Megan from Accounts is coming back. Yeah. No, I but, but I think it, it goes back to what Snips was saying about Rich and Bobito just not giving a fuck and yeah. them being able to stand and say I'm still going to break records and still yeah. do those things. Um, so tell but me, you know this, how do y'all how do y'all feel about Soraya? Like I know Snips, you touched on it. Like it does make it easier for you guys because I've heard from a lot of DJs like Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm. back in the day, Diamond D was Jazzy J's record boy. Like you're bringing yeah. crates and crates and crates of heavy records to every jam. So I'm sure Serato helps you guys, but if you, if you could, if you could ask, right, if you could, because, well, let me ask this first before I assume this. Do you feel as though the DJ, the, the, the DJ, I guess, genre has been watered down by yeah. the celebrity DJs? Okay. And I'm assuming that's because of Serato. Yeah. If you could right now say, you know what? No more Serato. Would you do that? If you had a 100%, wish. hundred percent, hundred percent. I would, I would take the, the inconvenience of not having Serato to 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 to, to bring back a yeah. world where you had to be of a certain caliber to be able to DJ in clubs. Because if we remove Serato right now, I look at I look at the New York club scene, right, and I'm like, there is a million unqualified DJs running these clubs. If we removed Serato, who would we be left with? We'd be left with Rich. We'd be left with Bobito. We'd be left with Stretch. Kid Capri would be able to bring his records out. You know, we'd be left with, so yeah, I would take that all day. I would take, if we could go back to that, I'd take it all day. What about you, Rap? Oh, no question. It, it, it cuts out, it cuts out the bullshit. Like, yeah. like, like you see the memes where like, you see, you see it's a Technique 1200 and it'll say everybody's a DJ until you put one of these in front of them. That's yeah. a true fucking statement yeah. because a lot of a lot of people have never touched a turntable. It's a different thing to DJ on a turntable than it is a controller. Totally different thing. And you pull out some vinyl in front of somebody, they're gonna look at you like, "Hold up!" First and foremost, what's that? Do you know what though? I'm seeing a di- in, yeah. in, in in the soulful house and the disco scene. Oh, it's coming. DJs, back. Are, it's coming back. With coming that. Back. And to be honest, I prefer to play in those parties right now. Oh, because yeah. I feel like there's a there's a level of respect for the culture yeah. of DJ and the, and the culture of vinyl. And to be honest, even a lot of the music right now, I yes. feel like a lot of the soulful house music is actually more soulful than a lot of what's coming out and being considered R and B. Oh, of course. Of you course. know, like yeah. you're listening to soulful house, and you can hear these singers grew up in the church all day. <laughs> you know, all I'm day. listening to soulful R and B, and I'm hearing the same whispery, yeah, like, so cool. 
There is no soulful Ain't nobody going to church no more. Don't nobody go to church no more. Big mama don't <laughs> drag nobody to church no more. Exactly. Where do you see DJs going from here? Like, you know, we now are at a place where DJs can monetize. You know, D-Nice is one of the biggest DJs in the world. You know what I mean? Where do you see DJs going from here? Do you think it's going to go ever go back to, you know, a new MC comes out and he's going to have a DJ? Do you think it's going to stay right here? What do you see in the future for DJs? You asking me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think with, with technology, especially with social media, I think that um, it's not... Yeah, I think they can, they'll can. they be able to monetize off of it, much like things like Club Quarantine and, and whatever. Um, but I think the, the blueprint for that is DJ Scratch, to be honest. Um, Scratch Vision is a self-sustaining platform that DJ Scratch created, and then it mon- he monetizes off of that himself through you know that kind of platform like that that it's an app it's a it's a site um it's all of that so i think that for djs to be able to monetize off of their craft like people like um large pro who does this knots um you know he does well knots not really i guess he's he's more of more of like um he's not really scratching but you know just large pro let's say and DJ Jazzy Jeff, who, who still is on Instagram, for example, um, they would need to kind of use, in my opinion, sort of like a DJ Scratch platform so that they're not being booked and then depending on somebody else to monetize, but that then they're mm. able to self-sustain mon- money. Um, I think that's the only way that DJs will be able to because there are people um, who need DJs still and who like to listen to DJ Scratch. Like, I love listening to DJ Scratch when DJ Premier one night was up until I think it was like 5.30 in the morning New York time I was up until 2.30 listening to DJ Premier just go ham on the on his turntables like it was crazy um and I think for people like them to be able to monetize off of people like me is to get their own platforms and be able to charge a monthly or whatever i don't know how dj scratch does it or did it but i was just about to ask do you pay a membership like how do they monetize is it yeah i think it's ads i think it's a lot of different things and dj scratch's um platform is very sort of um like he's got like a lot of visuals he's got a lot of things going on that really makes it like he really makes the digital world um, sort of mesh well with the real world, like as if you're there, as if there's like a crowd in front mm. of him. Um, whole time he's by himself, like God knows where he is. It's all a backdrop, and he's created it. Um, but yeah, that's how I think DJs would monetize moving forward from 2021 because technology is just going to get more sophisticated, and um, people are just going to be more attached to their digital devices. So I think that for DJs to bring that um, craft back because there's obviously a following for it um they would need to do that that's my that would be my advice all right well what about you where do you see the art of dj going into the future um i could see it expanding i could you know with technology and like just the, the the weight of the world i mean the pandemic you know the djs was killing the MCs and everybody else. I mean, the DJs is what was keeping us 
afloat during those times. I know a lot, a lot of us, you know what I'm saying? I know me, you know, I mean, they, they found a way. And I think the DJs will continue to find a way to, to continue to be relevant and important um, in the culture. And as technology advances and stuff like that, I think it'll be that DJs will just find more ways to advance because like we were saying in the early 90s, it looked like they were like getting wiped out. Now they're back. You know what I'm saying? It's, they, they'll find a way. Like I always say, dope is dope. And dope is always going to find a way to be dope. So that's how I see it. All right. What about you, Snips? Um, I, I agree with both of you guys, actually. Um, I think the one, uh, the one concern I have is that while I think the technology is there and while I think there is a small audience of people that really care about the culture of DJing, I think based upon what we've seen over the past few years, it's the younger kids who don't, who aren't as invested in the actual culture of it. These are the kids who are pushing forward with understanding how to use the technology, right? So I think a lot of the time, the rest of us get swallowed up in the noise. So you're always going to have a scratch or a D-nice that's able to break through and, and do something successful. But for every person who's able to do that, I think you're going to have 10 young influencer DJs who are just doing siren sounds and playing the latest trap records on, right. on Twitch and have way more followers because essentially people just want to hear music they like, right? I, I, I think, unfortunately, we're in the minority of people that actually want to see you know, somebody really practiced their, their craft and their art. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being cynical. Um, but I do think the one thing that I do think is is giving me some hope is that the, the backbone to all of this shit is vinyl, right? The backbone to really DJing, to production is vinyl. And we're seeing an increase in hip hop with younger kids giving a shit about records. You know, even if you look at the underground guys that are coming out, the, the, the Griselda's, the Rome Streets, all of these guys, they won't put a project out without accompanying it with a vinyl. And if you look at what these records are going for, there's a genuine um, world of people that give a shit. And I think the more we start to see vinyl being sold as a, as a normality, the more we're going to see an interest in the in, in the craft of production and the craft of DJing. And even with older stuff, man, I work in a record store here in, in Brooklyn and I'm selling golden era hip hop records to 19 year old kids. You know, so we are seeing uh, an investment from this next generation in the culture. I think we just need to be realistic about it and not assume it is ever going to be the dominant form of culture within hip hop as it was in the 90s. We, we, we are now like the, the shit that we love is niche. It's not going to be dominant. Every now and then there'll be a Kendrick or there'll be a, you know, there'll be somebody who breaks through into the mainstream that kind of represents what we love. But essentially... It's like if you look at jazz, right? If you look at jazz in the 60s and then you look at jazz in the 80s, jazz in the 60s was a dominant form of American music, right? Jazz in the 80s, these greats were releasing random records on Swedish record labels or, you know, like some weird Polish collaboration that, that, that was an, on an indie label, but, but it still existed and the culture was still there. But by that point, it was never going to be mainstream music again. And I think we have to look at hip hop in the same way. And it's not a bad thing. If anything, it's, it's, it's a great thing that it's able to still uh, like flourish culturally and, and you know creatively, even if it's not gonna be dominant in the way that it was. So I think we need to kind of 
accept DJing as a craft and as an art form is, is going to be a part of that. Right. DJ Rackwan, what do you think? What do you see DJs in the future? Um, my, my, I think it's going to be, you know, bigger, but the issue that I have is the technology. I don't want the technology to take it so far away from the the craftsmanship of it that it gets lost. You know what I mean? Like, technology can either hinder you or it can either, you know, make you better at what you do. And I'd, I'd rather it, you know, make it to where people understand, okay, I have all this great technology, but let me start from the ground up so you can know how to use that technology. You know? Um... I like the I'm seeing a lot of new DJ schools that's one thing we didn't really touch on um, but I think that is a good thing it's bringing the culture to the forefront uh, to where people are understanding that they can go somewhere and learn how to DJ which is something that you know a lot of us didn't have we were fortunate to have mentors but a lot of DJs don't have that uh, and now with these you know schools you know uh, um, the Beat Junkies do one I know Rob Swift has one, you know, there's a bunch of different DJ schools that are reputable from these solid, solid, you know, pillars of the foundation of it. So yeah, I'm hoping yeah. that I'm hoping that the technology and the future just don't hinder it. We're in a good place, but it's still got some work to do. No doubt. I think for me, um, I'm kind of like Snips more cynical because I think what I've had to learn to do is I'm not the average person. You know what I mean? And I don't think the average person cares about DJs. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when people say things like, you know, I'm blessed that the people I have in my circle are all dope dads. You know, so Mm -hmm. it's easy for me to say, like, what are you talking about? There are good dads out here. But then y'all forget I work in the hood where half of my kids can't do their family tree because they have no idea who their dad is. So the people that I keep in my circle, like you guys, we care about DJs. I don't think the rest of these motherfuckers out here give a shit about a DJ to be honest yeah. with you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Quest could technically be one of the biggest DJs out here. And it may it be two to three hundred people in part. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's kind of like it seems like DJs are doing great, but I, I don't I'm I'm almost back to Paris Smith. Not that I haven't seen a DJ living comfortably, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. But the average DJ, like, I, 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 Snips, who do you think is the biggest DJ right now? Is it D Nice? Is it might is be D Nice? It is yeah. D. Might be D Nice, yeah. And I don't give a fuck about a D Nice. <laughs> you know that that's no diss to D Nice, but yeah. I don't want to go to a D Nice party. I'd rather go to a Jazzy Jeff party. I'd rather go to a Snips party. I don't. To so be honest, so so my thing is this. Um, I, I was at the D-Nice party in um, Prospect Park uh, a few okay. months ago. Um, I, I, I really appreciate what D-Nice has done, but D-Nice is part of the Originals fam, right? Um, and the Originals throw big parties in New York. So that's D-Nice, no, Tony, What's that? D-Nice Tony Touch, Stretch Armstrong, Rich Medina, and Clark Kent. Okay. So, so them as a five-piece unit throw regular parties in New York, and the parties are crazy. Um, but I'm going to be honest, and, I, and I'm, I don't mean this in any disrespectful way to D-Nice. I think D-Nice is great. And I think D-Nice will probably agree with this statement. But D-Nice is the fifth best DJ out of that five. It's so funny. Right? I was just about to you know? But I didn't want to because I didn't want to, you know. But I was going to say, I would assume 
he's and, he's, and I don't think I'm not, I'm not saying that as a disrespect as well. I think D Nice would probably agree with that, and only because of the fact D Nice became a DJ later on in life, right? right. We're talking about Stretch, Clark Kent, Rich Tony. These guys have been DJs since the eighties, you know, right. and 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 they are some of the best DJs in the world. <laughs> so I think for D Nice to be a part of that crew, even though essentially I'm sure. Um, you know his his newfound fame will do great things for them as a unit, um, which is great for the rest of the guys in the crew as well. Not to say they need it. I mean they're all very reputable in their own right. Um, but I think while D Nice can do great things for them with his newfound fame, I think D Nice is also very aware that he is. It does great things for him to be associated with some of the world's best hip hop DJs. You know, and yeah, I mean I say that to say that the originals parties. Best parties in New York, black and right. right. And I mean, I think the D Nice thing, because of COVID, because of club quarantine, everybody yeah. knew D Nice's name. If we go back pre COVID, the average yeah. person didn't know D Nice. I don't know if Michelle Obama is talking and about And what D-Nice. did D Nice yeah. do, actually? He just played songs, right? I, I think I think that the, the hype came from the fact that Michelle Obama went into his room. Right. But and I'm just, just trying got to say, so many like, people. I always, I always, every now and then I tweet out, I'm like, I hope everyone who was outside during quarantine and on, you know, well, outside during quarantine, like lockdown, yeah. but on, on on IG, clarifies that D Nice wasn't the first person to do this, um, because he he only got on and started playing music um, that yeah. you know just as if you stick a aux cord in somebody's iTunes and you know well, I, I mean, mean I don't I want mean- to take away from D Nice's abilities. But yeah. let's be honest. I, th- it I think the problem is it goes back to who invented the transformer scratch. See, so we're talking about no D nice didn't invent it. You know what I mean? And like yeah. saying like Michelle Obama went in the room. So it's the same thing. I've heard people yeah. say, of course, she was in the, the whole thing with who invented the transformer scratch. Was it Jeff? Was it Cash? Then somebody else. Yeah. Somebody told me um, Steady B's. Uh, first DJ Grand Wizard DST is the one who Please made the scratch. And then somebody sent me a uh, a, a YouTube clip. Oh, who? What'd you say? Porsche, well, you said wasn't the whole thing about Grand Wizard Theodore? Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Theodore. It was, it was well, Theodore uh, invented the scratch, but not the. Yeah, he invented That's the scratch. What, but not yeah, the so. Okay, because when I was involved in that whole back and forth, it was yo, kill, tell Porsche it was Theodore. And I was like, bro, I'm not even going to give you the time right. of day because we're not talking right. about the same thing but i okay. mean i think that's that's what we're getting at that d nice wasn't the first to do it yeah. but he was the one who found fame from it so you have a yeah. lot of philly djs who are saying jeff didn't invent the transformer scratch but yeah, he yeah. was the first to do it on wax which right. is why everybody knows Jazz I, jeff for the i think if we're being if we're being real man i mean like like i said you know like if if, if we're comparing d nice as a dj to the rest of the originals crew I would say he's not the strongest DJ up against a stretch or a Clark Kent. But then, man, like considering who could have been the biggest celebrity DJ throughout club quarantine, I'm glad we got D Nice because it could have been, it could have been Paris Hilton. It could have been, you know, like it, it could have been like, I'm glad we got somebody who is from the culture, loves the culture, plays great music, is, is a great personality is 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 and genuinely like yeah i mean the, to be honest man i i am i am more than happy that d nice was was the guy that that happened for i'm i'm not saying easy mo b was doing it before a lot of people you know knife was doing it early 
Large Pro was doing it early, Kid Capri was doing it early, like, I get it, but, and I'm not saying D-Nice is a better DJ than all of those guys, but I think for, for, for what was needed and the character that we needed to be that, that person, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy that it's D-Nice. And I mean, yeah, I have no beef with D, but like you said, of course, it's just, was he the first doing it? Nah, not at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, he was the first. So again, it's the same thing with Jeff. So if Jeff didn't invent yeah. the Transformer Scratch, do I think any less of Jeff is a DJ? Hell no, because he's still dope. You know, it's not like yeah. D-Nice is whack. If D-Nice was whack, yeah. then it'd be like, fuck, we got this whack dude up. <laughs> you know? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. It could have been everybody. so much. Yeah, yeah, it could have been, been so much. So, so, if you it, think about who could have been the celebrity it DJ. Been it could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been me, <laughs> but I, I listen to dope music. But I'm just saying, like it could have been. <laughs> it could have been anyone. So, I mean, it literally could have been anyone, you know. Right. But I do think once Michelle Obama did that, I, she did the same thing for Shake Shack here in DC. Like Shake Shack yeah. had just opened up, and right. even T came to me like, "Hey, it's in the paper. Michelle Obama went to this new spot. Yeah. We gotta go try it out." Now, without Michelle Obama going to Shake Shack, I don't know if Shake Shack is Shake Shack. But yeah. you know, you have you have to have that co-sign, and it's just. You know, I don't see Michelle Obama like creeping around in Easy Mobi's DMs or you know checking out Mobi. You know, you know. So it was it be dope. We we know we know what the catalyst was that allowed D to become who we became. Um, and that doesn't mean that for for me, I guess it's just like all right, we 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 know what propelled him to that stardom. And had had those other opportunities been given to other DJs, it may have propelled them as well. But I, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm 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 not mad at Steve. If it was Jazzy Jeff, that would have been amazing too. But um, you know, I think D Nice is a great. Um, I think he was a great person to play that role throughout quarantine. And I, yeah, like I mean, I say this somewhat biased. Stretch is a really good friend of mine, um, so I'm, I, I always support that entire crew as the originals. Um, and I, and I want to see them do well, so maybe I'm slightly biased, but yeah, I, I, for me, D doing that, like, amazing, I think, you know, and I hope he just continues to get, you know, bigger and bigger. Yeah, and I think the thing, too, with uh, D-Nice, like, and Porsche, you know better than me, because I'm not, I don't really go into a lot of IG rooms with the DJs and everything. When I do see Large playing, he's playing a lot of breaks, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Or when I do see... You know, a lot of the a lot of the DJs that we're naming, they play breaks. Which well, Moby's uh, playing house for the most right. part, straight house right. too. And yeah. then, you know, so for a lot of times, that music isn't going to grab people the way if D Nice is playing. You know, Mama used to say, and you know, yeah. certain songs like that. So it's also the song selection of who you're playing to. So you know, I yeah. mean, if Michelle Obama is in the break beats, then yeah, she probably would love Large. <laughs> you right. love Large. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that, like the ones who stick to the actual craft of being a DJ, like you can actually tell who has perfected their craft, who ha is passionate about their craft, and who actually takes that seriously as an element of hip hop. Because yeah. we know Large Pro is also he raps. You know, so right. I think Large Pro um, is somebody who I think encapsulates sort of all the elements of hip hop. You know, um, Pete Rock, same thing. Um, their DJ Premier, you know, he doesn't rap, but um, yeah, like D Nice for me was just sort of, I don't know. I just, I, I kept telling people, I'm like, yeah, D Nice is dope and he's playing dope stuff, but he's just playing whatever, like, Somebody at a club could do this, and like Snip said, like it could have been anybody. Um, well, I don't, I don't, I, think it, 
I don't know if D Night. I think D Nice is a good D. You know, yeah, I, 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 I think D Nice, and I think, and I think D Nice, you know, is the culture too. He was an MC. He was yeah. a producer. You know, so again, I don't look at D Nice like, yo, this nigga ain't even hip hop. Like, nah, D Nice. No, no, is I'm not. I'm not saying he's not hip hop. Yeah. I'm just saying when you listen to D Nice on like IG Live, he's not doing what. DJ Scratch, large. Now, you know what? That's a great segue. That's a, that's a great segue yeah. to this question for Snips and DJ Records. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch. I again. I I, I stay away from titles and, and topics I'm ignorant about because I may have watched a little bit of Club Quarantine. I never like watched the whole thing, so I really don't know about the nights. There are there are people who because my my young boy was like, well, kill like you said, you're not a photographer. You take pictures. Da, da, da. What do you call these new DJs? And I call them playlists because I feel like all you're doing is like what Poor said, you're taking your phone, you've got your playlist, here's the aux cord, here we go. And what I mean by that is I'm seeing DJs who to me are reminiscent of a clue. There's no blending, yeah. there's yeah. no scratching. It's literally and even if like- there is, even if there is, it's, it's assisted by the sync button. Right. Yep. You, you're going, you're, yeah. you're, 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 you're pressing the button and it makes an explosion and that's your blend over. So mm -hmm. like Snips, one of the, the joints I was saying I love about you when you add Turntable Lab, it's the blends, it's the bounce, it's yeah. all of that. How do you all feel about DJs who don't, they don't scratch, they don't blend, they literally are just what I like to call playlists. What do you I, guys I would tell you, about I think they will be replaced by Spotify playlists. I think, and this is, this is my theory, I think we're gonna get to a place, right? Where people go into a club and you scan your phone and your phone, there'll be an app that takes a scan of every single person's phone and it will cross-section their Spotify playlists and come up with the 50 most played records combined of everybody's playlists. And there will be an app that just puts those records together, mm -hmm. plays that continuously through the night. And that's how people are going to go out and experience music. And yeah. I think, I think there will always be a need. And again, like I said, it'll be a small niche. Now, do you want me to cut this out, Snips? Because this sounds like an app that you may want to make. So do you want me to start out in the show so nobody likes no, 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 no. shit? Like, Word. Because I'm Word. like, this sounds like it's, a good idea. It's, it's, so, it's, you know, it's, it's an app already in play like that. Yeah, I, I would imagine it's already being made, to be honest. Um, but I, I think, honestly, that's going to be... And I don't worry about it because I feel like for, there will be a small niche of people that care about going to see a DJ actually play. But I feel like for like the average bar gig where people are just playing the same, you know, top records, I think that that's, you know, you got you 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 got. There's, there's an end point to your career. If that's what you're doing. You are going to be replaced by technology. Yep. Okay. What What about you, Rec? On the playlist. And here's the thing. Let me ask this question because again, I never watched Club Quarantine. Is D Nice a playlister? Is D Nice blending songs together? Is D Nice? Oh, no, he's scratching? blending. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's blending. No, no, he's right. he's blending songs. Like he he may not give as much energy as a scratch, based on what he is capable of doing. But he is DJ. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. He, he is DJ. He okay. he may not he may not leave the turntable sweating, a la DJ Scratch or Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, they scratch. Right. They 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 working. But D Nice is working too. Is 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 different levels to each DJ. Some but DJs. But also, look. bear in mind that when you see a scratch play, how how long is scratch playing for, or how long is Jeff playing for? A couple hours. A couple hours. D Nice is doing a ten hour set. Ten hours. You, yeah, you he's can't. Doing all day you sets. can't do that. 
no. consistent. Yeah, yeah, for 10 you're hours, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Your hands are yeah. numb. Your, no, you got a headache. It's not gonna happen. I'm sorry. I have to say, hours set. Yes. We did premiere yeah. went like four hours without yeah. stopping. Four. But I mean, four hours you can do. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. No, I'm cool. I'm just shocked that people listen for ten hours. I'm like, yo, that's longer than the work he yeah. went 10 hours. He went 24 hours one time. Like, like, D nice. He put the DJ, nice DJ for 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah. Yo, I'm old, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, i give me a two hour D. I saw yeah. Pete Rock versus Premier at the Howard. Two and a half hours. I was ready to go home. Who is staying? Yeah. Who is, I mean, well, I forgot it's Club Quarantine. So, yeah, it's four hours. Yo, it's DJ. If DJ Premier and Pete Rock were performing, I would not leave. I would be like, continue <laughs> after two hours. That's it. Oh man. I mean, I mean, because mo- I mean, it was at a, it was at a club. Pete Premier were doing this Pete versus Premier mm-hmm. tour. Pete oh, versus you know what I mean? Yeah. So they weren't gonna, yeah. you know, but play no. for so long and stand right. up, but for right. long with those. Um, right. Well, no. To answer, okay. answer your question, to answer your question, um, how do you feel about playing? Sniff said no, nothing positive. I ain't got I ain't got nothing for him. I don't got no, nothing right. for him. Be, because because my my ten year old daughter could do the same exact thing. Yeah. Just making the playlist and just and just plugging it go. And, yeah. and and I've sat here for for you know days, months if I got a gig coming up a big gig and I'm you know putting stuff together in my head or grabbing new music or grabbing stuff that I'm trying to I don't think nothing about them because it's that in a sense we were talking about culture vultures earlier. That's a culture vulture. Yeah, that's a culture right. vulture because you're, you're monetizing an opportunity based in hip hop. You have yeah. no, you have no sheer love for the culture. You see a bag, you're gonna get it, and if the next bag come from you kicking rocks, you're gonna be the best motherfucking rock kicker because you don't give a shit about what you know. Yeah, mm. yeah, I feel you, and I think my thing has just always been, you could learn. I mean, like that's always that's always if you don't need like, to yeah right but, but that's what i mean by <laughs> exactly it comes, back, it comes back down to the love and that you know if you love the culture then you're gonna want to get better i hate to bring up that nut ass ben simmons but if you love playing <laughs> basketball then you would want to get better like it, it's it's it's, it's always thing, man back it's like love like how when, do you, when we how do you fall there, in love when you don't need to put like like for us i feel like yeah, we fell in love with doing this, but you develop that love. It's like That's a relationship, cool. right? You fall in love with a person, but that love becomes stronger when you work at that relationship yeah. and you make it. And and I think for us, as we fell in love with this culture and we put so much work in, that's what solidified the love. So if you like the idea of something, you don't get the time to really put the work in and fall in love with it because you don't need to. That is true. And it goes you know? back to funny, I always tell people, I go back to this picture, 10 year old kill, all he wanted to do was be a dope dude. Yep. He didn't get these yep. turntables like, okay, I'm going to charge X amount of money for parties, and then I'm going to do yep. this, and I'm going to DJ for these people, oh. and I'm going to make money. Do, it, do, do you think I ever thought I'd make money from this? Right. Never. Like, it was just literally a thing of love. Right. And it goes back to a big lyric, yeah. either you slinging white rock or you got a wicked jump yeah. shot. That yeah. was the, that was the philosophy in 95, whereas now we can add hip-hop to that. We yeah. can say hip-hop is now a way of something to do so you have a whole bunch of people who really don't love the culture yeah but because they said around to their cousin it's like oh you should be an mc okay let me get on soundcloud let me get on Bandcamp, yeah. and let me 
So again, you have all these people. I think it's the same with the NBA. I think a lot of the NBA are just tall people who don't really care about basketball. They want to get paid. <laughs> they want to get paid. I'm dead ass. People say all the time, yeah. Kill, if a 6'2 eighth grader came into your team center tomorrow, what are you going to think? You play ball. And this, yeah. this, this 6'2 eighth grader could be like, nah, yeah. I just like singing on the choir. But do you think his family in the hood are going to so this is where? No, they're going to be like, you're going to play basketball. You're going to get us out the hood. You're going to yep. be rich. And now this kid is in the NBA and he doesn't love the game. So he doesn't work on his game. So he Absolutely stays right. with the same game that he's always had. So Snips, Absolutely. great point. If this, you're already where, being booked, why would I get better? Because I exactly. really don't even love this shit in the first place. I just do but it. This, this is where I agree. This is where I agree with something that Portia said earlier about culture vultures. This is where the real culture vultures come into play, where there's people out there that know that they know that they can go and take up every young kid they see from the hood and give him a record deal and it's gonna get lapped up by middle America and they don't mm -hmm. give a fuck. And that's where the real culture vultures are coming in. Those people that are like, yes, sign everyone, put it all out, nobody gives a fuck, it will sell. That's, and I, and I believe that's who Dame Dash was talking about, <laughs> you know? That's where I think we have a real problem is right now, this, like this hip hop industry is a money printing machine. You know, right. and the people, the people, the, the people that are really there, signing anybody, knowing that they can sell lowest common denominator music to to, to, to a large amount of people, without a care in the world for the actual culture itself, that's that's where the root of the problem is. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, let me say, you two guys, I appreciate you. When Porsche came up with the idea of the DJ show, we already have Rack. I said I gotta get Snips on here because I appreciate to it, me man. that's the. We can't do an MC show without MC. Can't do a producer show without a producer. You two are two of the dopest DJs that I know personally and just dope in general anyway. DJ Rec One, let them know where can they hear you at, what stations are you at, what's going on with you. <laughs> so it's Thanksgiving weekend, man. I got Thanksgiving mixes out the ass right now. Uh, I'm DJing Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Saturday. I think it's FM 94.5. Show comes on Saturday at eight. Uh, I have an internet show that I'm on, um, Texas Fleet Radio. I'm there Fridays at eight. Um, new station in Nashville, um, Tennessee Radio. I'm doing a two-hour set for them um, Sunday. Um, I don't have the times yet, so I'm gonna say just stay tuned Sunday if if you can get on or just hit me. Uh, at on Twitter or at uh, Instagram, uh, and I got some other stuff coming. Uh, best way to get at me is Instagram is at DJ Rec One and E, and Twitter is at DJ Rec One. All right, Snips, let them know about everything. The beats, we're gonna get you for beats, mixes, everything hit, that you're doing, man. The best thing to do is hit my website up, snipsmusic.net. Um, I have links to my my SoundCloud. I have links to. All my mixes on Mixcloud. I have my Spotify links on there. I have my Bandcamp links on there. But search Snips on iTunes or Spotify if you want to hear anything I produced. I put out a load of instrumental music. Uh, DJ Wise, if you're in New York City this weekend, I am at um, I'm at Friends and Lovers Friday, uh, Saturday. I'm at Sweet in Brooklyn, um, and then Sunday I'm doing the Everyday People Party at Harbor in in Manhattan. So yeah, if you're if you're if you're in town, let me know. But um, all the info and all the gigs coming up is on my Instagram, which is Snips Music. Follow me on Twitter, Snips Tweets. And yeah, just plug in. 
right. No doubt. Bro, let them know everything, good brother. Where can they get the gear? Where can they look at? Where, where can they get at you, good brother? Uptown J-Ben on the gram, J-Ben215 on Twitter, Fairgrade, P-H-A-R-E-G-R-A-D-E on Instagram for the clothing line. That's it. All right. Porsche loves Pete Rock, loves Troy, hates Drake. Where can they get at you? <laughs> on Twitter, at Cherche La Porsche. And I am only ever on Apartment 5B. I have to say that. Um, and we're only ever on Twitter spaces on Mondays at 6.15 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now that the clocks went back, we're back to Standard Time. So, um, yes, uh, we will have Twitter spaces on Monday nights. Um, and, yeah, Apartment 5B. <laughs> That's it. All right. Got to give you a salute, sis. We had a very dope Twitter space this past Thursday just about health and wellness. Uh, my man Boston, who I went to Morgan with, beat stage four cancer, lymphoma. Um, we had Grap Lover, Pete Rock's little brother, one of his battles with scoliosis. I spoke on my battle with fibromyalgia, scoliosis, hypo, hypothyroidism, sleep apnea, and everything else under the sun that I got. Um, so just want to salute you for that, Porsche, because uh, I always tell folk every day we can discuss hip hop, we can dispense him as all we want, but if we're not healthy, we can't do that. We got to take care of our health as men. Women in general, it's not a black white thing. It's just as men, we have to go get checked out. We have to make sure that we're good, uh, you know, to, to keep um, enjoying this life of loving and listening to hip hop. I've seen way too many people die way too early because of health issues that prayerfully may have been um, able to get prevented. So just want to shout Amen. you out for that. Um, and you already know what it is with me, Kill 889. We've got the f uh, first 48 with uh, King James. That's out. We've got Echo is the name, season seven. That's out. Um, just got another track with a mayor um, on Pete Rock's label, uh, True Soul Records. Uh, so, you know, a lot of dope stuff coming in the year. Um, so just want to appreciate all y'all again. Salute to all the DJs out there. You know, there's so many. Um, just a real quick run around like rack any DJs Jazzy Joyce just I'm, I'm thinking names I just want to polo Eric B I know I said y'all wasn't the dopest DJs but I still got salute y'all that's no knock against Jazzy Jeff you know what I mean next to Jeff not a lot of people in that though. so Jam Master J R.I.P the first DJ who you know made me fall in love with the craft just so many DJs hey, out here we gotta we gotta salute the one cool hurt cool yeah, hurt Grandmaster Flash how am I ending this show without Grandmaster Flash, seeing Grandmaster Flash in wild style made me want me to put my turntables in the kitchen, and my in mom would not let me, and she was like, kitchen. "No." Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take this, and and, and, and just big up some UK people. Please do, Short, Shorty Blitz, Mr. Thing, MK, um, DJ Two Seven Nine, Big Ted, Sarah Love, um, DJ Pogo, Cartmaster Swift, um, man, yeah, right. all, all just, the London originators, man. And just some Philly DJs, Cosmic Cab and DJ Spin Bad. Those are just Philly Insane. staples uh, and everything like that. So I will get with y'all next week, man. Good looking out, y'all. Yeah.